You're listening to the Screaming Pods Network. to the Screamcast episode 157. I am Sean DeRegger and with me is Stephanie Crawford. Hey. Also joining along in the fun is Brad Henderson. Hey Sean, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> welcome to the show. Today. Thank you for inviting me. You're welcome. I, you know, thought about it for a while and I figured I might as well. <laughs> Today we are talking about uh, Vinegar Syndrome. It is our uh, kind of quarterly, but we don't really go by quarters because I have no idea what quarters what, but uh, Vinegar Syndrome Extravaganza. So we'll be jumping in to a plethora of Vinegar Syndrome titles. Also included during the show will be uh, an interview that Stephanie Crawford and I did with Director of Terror, Norman J. Warren. So we have a lot of shit to get to in this episode i'm excited i'm excited are you excited you just said you were excited so you must be excited <laughs> i'm excited too guys thanks yeah i feel like i have to be more mm. enthusiastic to make up for brad i know we gotta well i'm wait I have to wait, be wait 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 <laughs> i'm super excited okay I'm there glad. we go you are okay before we get going on our episode today we we're gonna do a mini What's on your doorstep segment right now? Holy cow, I almost forgot. We'll get the door. Pizza. <laughs> the reason why I want to do this is because Vinegar Syndrome just had their halfway to Black Friday sale. And hot damn, did they have some deals. I saw some posts on Facebook and Twitter and some of the groups that I follow on Facebook. People were making out like uh, like banshees, like boxes just full of stuff. So a lot of people kind of wait for the sale and they stock up. I wanted to go through real quick what uh, you guys and myself purchased from the sale. Is that cool? Sure. I'll start. You guys go first. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, got an awesome t-shirt with the, it looks like a black flag t-shirt, but it's little film strips. And on the back, it says, Vincent, pretty badass. And I also got a trucker hat uh, that makes my small head look even smaller. But it's a cool trucker hat with a film reel with horns. But uh, they're big. So if you have a small head like myself, you got to make sure you adjust that so it kind of looks decent. And when you take a selfie of it, you got to kind of make sure you turn your head just right so it kind of aligns and looks good. So either I got to grow myself a big old beard and grow my hair out long for it to look good on me, or I'll just have it like hanging on a wall. That's good to know because I have a giant head. It's like <laughs> too big for most hats. So that's okay. good to know. All right. Uh, but I also did uh, buy their limited edition films. I have not opened up and watched them yet. But uh, I'm told that I will like them. Uh, Deadly Daphne's Revenge and Pets. And I'm going to let Brad talk about these films a little bit because he kind of talked me into buying them. 
Yeah. Yeah. Why why did I buy these movies? Because I told you to. <laughs> <laughs> um well I think uh you'll like uh uh Deadly Daphne. She's uh she's 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 a babe. But anyways, <laughs> um that movie is insane. It's 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 everything that Vinegar Syndrome stands for. Um it's it's just out there insane and a lot of fun um another one i think it's one of those trauma movies that trauma like released based off of uh their uh you know buying those other films um the other film was pets which uh was originally a code red release so i've never uh i never got around to purchasing the dvd um but i got to watch it um recently for the first time and i really enjoyed it it's it's different but um, I, I think I, it's one of those I don't want to give too much away. But it's 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 a little weird. But it's also I don't know. It's a good little sex exploitation flick. Okay. But um, yeah, I think they're both really solid. I, the fact that they're special, I'm not 100 percent sure. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like something like Liquid Sky. Mm-hmm. I thought it was uh, kind of different that they uh, put them together. Yeah, because. Um, because uh, Deadly Daphne's like Revenge, special. they're not going to reprint. Like They're just going to let this sell out. Oh, okay. Um, so, I mean, I guess that's one of the reasons why maybe it was kind of like a, you know, a, a deal of how many they were allowed to print. Yeah. But, um, anyways. Cool. Well, um, I also do want to do one more plug. Uh, this is not Vinegar Syndrome, what's on my doorstep. But I did want to give a shout out to um, Michael Vaughn. Uh, he's on Twitter uh, I believe his Twitter handle is strange underscore cinema or something like that. But he came out with a book called The Ultimate Guide to Strange Cinema. And uh, it's pretty it's a pretty badass little book. It's a bunch of little essays, mini essays on a bunch of movies he's been watching throughout the years. A bunch of, you know, I mean, if you're a Vinegar Syndrome fan, there's a lot of stuff you're, you're going to like. He, co- he covers, you know, weird movies like Aliens Cut My Hair uh, and then uh, films like Visitor Q. Uh, but then he also does like some newer ones like Hallelujah and Amer and things like that. So uh, kind of a fun little book. I believe it's reasonably priced. You can check it out. But I wanted to give him a little plug uh, because uh, the book's pretty cool. So it's always fun to have more movie books on my shelf. All right. Um, Stephanie or Brad, did you guys buy anything on the Vinegar Syndrome sale? Nope. No. Oh, Jesus. Dang. You're the one that wanted to do this. You didn't ask us, like, "Hey, did you buy anything?" I know. You just say, "Hey, let's." Seventy, do it. 70 did you? <laughs> no. And if and if not, um, it's fine. It's fine. I just I wanted to make sure I mentioned they're halfway to Black Friday sale. So be prepared next year if you missed this one. All right. So I mean, recently I picked up um, Killer Clowns from Outer Space, <laughs> the Arrow Arrow release. Um, I recently got the Arrow release of Carrie in the mail. So I got that going for me. Okay. Um, did you buy anything up, uh, from uh, Vinegar Syndrome? <laughs> I picked up my friend Dahmer. That eventually that came out on Blu-ray. I highly suggest watching that. Okay. I watched Tremors. I picked up Tremors. It's fucking terrible. Um, <laughs> Tremors that. six or Wait, the, the first Tremors? One? Yeah, Tremor. Yeah, Tremors six. Okay, you need to <laughs> clarify, sir. Yeah. Um, I picked up the Shout Selective uh, Big Bad Mama. Okay. Um, right. So I got that. And I also picked up um, uh, Kaleidoscope, another Shout Factory release that I've been hearing a lot of 
good things about Toby Jones is in it. Apparently, it's kind of Giallo influenced. So I got that uh, going for me. So Stephanie, back back to the halfway to Black Friday sale from Vinegar Syndrome. Uh huh. Um, did you did you make any purchases for that or no? I did. Uh, but real quick, I didn't get either the two new titles because one I, I was pretty broke and I wasn't sure about. Um, Brad, do you think I would like Deadly Daphne's Revenge? Um, yeah, I think he does some fun with it. Yeah, so I'll probably order that when they open their store back up. Um, yeah, I think but... he would be better with pets, though. Really? Yeah. Why? Uh, I don't know. Just how okay. I tag you. I'm usually right about <laughs> your taste, but I think you would like, um, yeah, I think you would like uh, pets more. I mean, it's two totally different movies. I think it's what you're in the mood for. If you're in the mood for batshit craziness, Deadly Daphne. If you're in the mood for something a little a more obscure, kind of tamer title, but, you know, then I think Pets would be the way to go. Okay, so I'll end up with both of them because I'm a sucker. Uh, so like I mentioned, I was pretty broke when the sale was going on. Uh, so I just grabbed my own copy of Bloodsuckers from Outer Space. <laughs> I really wanted that slipcover. Um, I also grabbed Prey because unlike Brad, I love that movie. And I also wanted that beautiful slipcover. And I finally grabbed Sweet Sugar. After oh, many, nice. many, many people telling me I was really dumb for not owning oh. it. Yeah, it's pretty good. You're not dumb for not owning it. You just hadn't got it yet. You just hadn't gotten around to purchasing well, it. Now I'm smart. Don't, hey, don't let the internet bully you, Stephanie. Don't let people tell you what you but should be they doing. everything. <laughs> awesome. Uh, like I said, the, these halfway to Black Friday sale, definitely worth uh, checking out. Especially a lot of fun for discovering these kind of limited edition ones. Uh, and whenever, I mean, I don't know. I feel like Vinegar Syndrome has kind of sold me on, like, whenever they say these, or there's these secret titles and we're going to do these limited edition to, to check them out. I always feel, I, don't, I never feel like I've been burned by uh, a limited edition purchase. So um, they do a good job on these and they're always uh, kind of a lot of fun uh, to discover. Nightmare. What's you didn't that? Like it. Oh, I didn't like Runaway Nightmare. But I think I bought like I think I bought a reprint of that one though. Or no, did I spend a lot of money? I think I got it from eBay. Oh, you know what? I I think now, like now that we've I've watched so many Vinegar Syndrome titles, <laughs> I I need to swing back around and check out Runaway Nightmare because I may actually now that I kind of know to expect, I may dig it. I was Dude, you know I, I was I was but I was young it, and uh, you know. If you still don't like it, you can send it to me. Okay, all right, that's the deal. Joining us now is Josh Obershaw for some Blu-ray release news. We've gotten uh, we've gotten dumped on a lot of releases, so <laughs> yeah, we sure did. I've got plenty to talk about, so we're gonna start with Arrow. They announced their August batch. The see what we got here. Well, first one listed is Tideland, and it's gonna be a U.S. U.K. release. The U.S. release is August 14th, and U.K., of course, is the day before. Next up, Apprentice to Murder. This is a U.K.-only release that's coming out on the 20th. Uh, let's see. Another U.K.-U.S. release, Street Mobster. That is going to be released on the 6th and 7th. What have they done to your daughters? That is a U.S.-only release for the 14th of August. So, yeah, that's pretty much it for Arrow. Not exactly one of the most exciting months, but I don't know. I'm ne- 
I'm not familiar with any of the titles. Yeah, that, that's what I was going to say. There's some things that I haven't heard of and I'm interested in, but, you know, not, I'm like cautiously optimistic. So I'll have to kind of wait and see as people start getting these and, and, you know, do some research on these films. But, uh, but I mean, if you're, if you've heard of the films, if you're a fan of them, I'm sure they're going to be pretty fantastic releases. So. Absolutely. And next up, we've got news from Vinegar Syndrome. As you know, they had their halfway to Black Friday sale. They put out two limited editions. Okay. One of them's called Pets. I forgot what the other one's called. Deadly Daphne's Revenge. Thank you. Thank you. And those, uh, I don't know how many. They, uh, last I heard, they only had 250 copies of uh, Deadly Daphne, Daphne's Revenge. I don't know how many copies of Pets they have, but they were going by pretty fast. Yeah. Deadly Daphne's Revenge is one that they're just going to... Like, this is the only chance it'll be available. So once it's gone, it's gone. Pets might see another pressing later on, kind of like what happened with Liquid Liquid Sky. Liquid Sky, right? Yeah. Uh, And uh, Ice Cream Man. So so we'll see. But Deadly Daphne's Revenge, I hear it's kind of batshit crazy. So (laughs) if you're into that uh, and you want to take a chance on something, go for it. The good news is about these limited editions is if it's out, it's out. If if it's out of print, you can probably resell it for the amount that you bought it for. So there's, you know, there's that if you're kind of thinking, you know, about taking a chance on these. So there's hope. Yeah. I can't wait to watch it. It's uh, it's it's on deck to watch soon. Cool. You have to let me know how it is. I shall. But Vinegar Syndrome also announced their June package. It includes Grave Robbers, which is going to be a Blu-ray DVD combo. Limited slipcover edition of 1500. And they've got a double feature Blu-ray DVD combo of Bloodfeeder and The Visitants. That's also going to be a limited slipcover edition of 1500. And the DVD onlys are going to be Naughty Network and Miss Magnificent. So there's your June package for Vinegar Syndrome. Done and done. <laughs> and we got some exciting news from Severn Films. 1980s The Changeling is finally getting a Blu-ray release, and that is going to be coming out on August 7th, and it's going to have a new 4K restoration of the film. Severn is also putting that together with one of their usual bundle packages like they did for Burial Ground and what was the other one? Oh, yeah, Kathy's Curse. Oh, yeah. So Severn is not only giving you the 4K restoration, but they're definitely giving you bang for your buck with these bundles. Yeah, the Changeling is fantastic. I have the DVD of it, and I mean it's George C. Scott, and uh, it's it's a fantastic kind of uh, gothic horror in a sense because he's alone in this gigantic house. Um, he's kind of gone away because he's full of grief because the car accident uh, kills his wife and daughter. So uh, he's like, you know, feeling the presence of a ghost in this house and it's it, it gets it. It's good. It's like understated, but then it gets really good. George C. George C. Scott is I mean, he's always fantastic. So this is one that I've been waiting for quite some time to get a good release. And I'm so happy Severin grabbed it and, and they're pulling out all the stops of this one. I think they're even doing like a stress ball. <laughs> is that what yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's one of the goodies included is a stress ball. <laughs> <sighs> which I, I haven't it's thought awesome. about that like uh going to a horror movie with a stress ball of some sort i'm actually uh i know some people have been talking about hereditary 
and somebody was mentioning they're going to bring their stress ball to the screenings. And I was like, that's actually a really great idea. I can't believe I haven't thought about that. <laughs> what else have we got? Uh, quick little new movie release. Uh, A71 Entertainment and Image Entertainment are putting out another Wolf Cop on July 3rd. So if you like the first one, which I did, this might be right up your alley. Oh, yeah. Here's great. Right. Full Moon Features is releasing a limited edition of the 1978 movie Laser Blast with a retro VHS uh, big box package, <laughs> which also comes with a action figure of the alien in the movie with the vintage Kenner Star Wars style card. And um, as far as features, that's pretty much the only special thing about this. The previous Blu-ray just came with a commentary, and that's being ported over to this. So... There's really nothing different except the VHS box and the alien action figure. But if you want it, it's going to be August 14th. That's the release date for that. Next up, Kino Lorber. We've got two from Kino Lorber coming out. The first one is going to be the 1983 TV movie, The Day After, directed by Nicholas Wrath of Khan Meyer, starring Jason Robarts, Steve Gutenberg, Joe Beth Williams, and John Lithgow. There's going to be two versions of this. The original TV cut, which runs 122 minutes, and it's in the standard old-school TV format, and a theatrical cut, which runs 127 minutes, and that has the uh, the 1.78 to 1 ratio. This one comes out on August 7th. But the big news from Kino Larber, guess what? Deep Rising is getting a, Blu-ray yes. re- a 20th anniversary Blu-ray release, a 4K remaster. It's going to be loaded with extras, and that comes out August 21st. Awesome. And last but not least, we've got a whole lot of Shout Factory for you. First up, Shout Select. Not exactly horror, but Valley Girl is getting a Blu-ray release that's going to be loaded, and it's going to be out on October 16th. Yes, this one's great. If you've never seen Valley Girl, uh, you are missing out. It's it's one of my favorite Nick Cage movies. Uh, I saw this, oh man, I saw this so long ago and I just, I was floored by it. I've always loved this movie. I own the soundtrack on vinyl and, uh, I love the soundtrack, you know, it's, 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 it's just really great. I mean, Deborah Foreman is in it. I mean, just so, and there's, it, it's great. If you love like eighties, uh, kind of sex comedy type movies, uh, or teen films from that age, coming of age films or whatever, uh, this is great because it has the comedy in there, but it also has there's like actual drama in it. And it's it's it's, it's really it's really good. And, and Nick Nick Cage is charming as hell in this, especially with his uh, triangle shaped chest hair. Uh, and you first <laughs> see him on the beach. It's uh, it's fantastic. So if you're if you're a hairy guy like me, uh, there's some hairy chest love in this film. <laughs> and, and it's great. I've often been inspired to shave my chest hair in uh, into that uh, triangle, uh, but I have not done it yet. And I can't remember why. He, I think they told him like the producers of the director were like, you need to shave. Um, and he was just like, he, I think he were, he refused to do it or that's how we showed up. And they were just like, fuck it. We'll 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 film it. <laughs> <laughs> that's so weird yeah i guess that's one of the i guess that's one of the crazy stories i'm gonna hear about on the bonus features i've seen the movie a long time ago uh i love the soundtrack it's my kind of romance movie yeah so oh, and, and ej yeah. daily is in it who's just oh that's right as a 
button. Oh my gosh. Elizabeth how can you not Daly. how could you not love Elizabeth Daly? Oh man, yeah. Another uh, quick update from uh, Shout Select. This might be old news at this point, but I just want to remind people, Wild at Heart has been delayed. There was some kind of error. So uh, they pushed the uh, the release back until August 21st. Okay. Next, we go to Screen Factory. Okay, this is where it's going to get good. First up is going to be Brain Dead. Not the Peter Jackson movie that's known here in the United States as Dead Alive. This is the movie starring Bill Paxton and Bill Pullman. That one comes out on September 11th. Details for that are to be determined. Uh, the Evil is getting a standalone blue. It's going to be a 2K transfer. The extras are going to be ported over for the DVD, and that one comes out September 18th. Next up is 1988's The Seventh Sign with Demi Moore. The extras are still to be determined for this one. This one's also coming out on uh, September 11th. Anything else? Oh, yeah. September 25th is going to be a big release day for Screen Factory. First up, The Rec Collection. All four films in the Rec series, in their own case, housed in a rigid slip box. We don't have uh, details on the extras just yet. Next up, the yeah, bride. I think the, I think the extras will either make it or break it on this one because Rec three and four, I wasn't a huge fan of. Like I, they're like they're okay, but Rec, the first one and the and the sequel are. I mean, it's one of my favorite sequels. And if you if you like create a list of like you know sequels that were as good as or better than the film, Rec two definitely in spades is great. And and I own Rec one and two. I think I imported them from. I think it was Canada or somewhere. I imported them somewhere, so I have them on Blu-ray here. So um, it's if if their extras are to die for, then I'll get the whole set, you know, and can reevaluate three or four. So I'm kind of waiting to see what they're going to be offering for that one. That sounds pretty fair. I don't own any of these, but I've seen the first three. The last one I I skipped out on because I didn't hear a very positive reaction to that last one. Well, because they, they shift well, yeah, from, I, from first person into just kind of standard splatter film, right? And that, yeah, that was part of that was like right, a really three, good I know reason kind of why changed halfway through from you know, yeah, it's like at a wedding. But that was still, I still like three a hell of yeah. a lot. Yeah, so I I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm totally up for reevaluating these films for sure. I'm never I'm I'm never gonna not want to reevaluate something if I am on the fence. So. It's definitely a good series to revisit if you haven't seen it in a while. Yeah. Uh, next up for the 25th is going to be The Bride. This is the 1985 Frankenstein film starring Sting, Jennifer Beals, <laughs> and Clancy Brown. I'm so um, in on this one, man. I've never even heard of this movie. And when I really? saw them announce it, I was like, I was like, where have I been? Where have I, how, how, have, how have I not even heard about this? So I'm, I don't know if this just skipped DVD or just, I was just, you know, I have no idea. You know, no, it, it, I, I guess it, it did get DVD. a DVD. I don't know, man. I just never heard of this one. I don't understand why. <laughs> oh, man. I remember <laughs> this as a kid. Really? Man, I'm. Yeah. I'm, this is going to be a fun one to kind of see for the first time. This was one of those movies that was on HBO quite a bit back okay. in the day. But, uh, yeah, no extras as of yet for that one. Uh, let's see. Or Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mentioned The Seventh Sign. 
big wreck collection. What else is coming out? Oh, yeah. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation. Yes. Starring McConaughey, <laughs> Renee Zellweger. <laughs> Details still be determined. Actually, they're going to be announced in August. And it okay. will be a collector's edition. This one's going to be fun. People shit on this film all the time. But it does have that kind of cult. It's kind of built this cult following. But I mean, Renee Zellweger and Matthew McConaughey starring in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. I mean, it's like, I mean, who doesn't want to see that if you haven't seen it? But it's, yeah, it's, it's funny how to see how these movies kind of build the cult followings. I've I've always, you know, heard it lambasted and, and everything. But I think the making of the film is... Uh, very, very interesting. And I want to say, weren't, were they interviewed recently? There was something recently that I either read or saw about, you know, them, one of them talking about the film. And I thought that that was great. And if they can get Renee Zellweger and Matthew McConaughey on, on screen for interviews for this, that price, that's that's enough, uh, uh, is I'm, I'm on board. That's worth the admission price for sure. Oh, totally. I mean, I, I've seen this movie a couple of times and I wasn't really sure how to feel about mm-hmm. it, especially the way it ended, I remember. But <laughs> I I would love to I would love to see this one again. Definitely. And also the whatever you know, whatever extras they have lined up, I'm sure there's gonna be a lot and there's and yeah. they're gonna be good. Yeah, I hope so. Like I like I said, sometimes movies like this, uh, even if they're not that great, the special features and interviews and documentaries and hearing about the film, well, it's just, it makes the movie even better. And I think that's kind of what's happened through the years with this film is people have kind of heard the stories and everything and the, the nightmare of just even getting the uh, film put together. And uh, I mean, that happened with the, the latest uh, 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 Warner Brothers archive. Is it Warner Brothers archives? Warner Archives, sorry, I'm number sorry, three, brothers in there. The Warner Archives uh, release of that their Texas Chainsaw Massacre release of, uh, of oh which yeah, one, that was which one was that the it was number three, number three. Okay, I I'm getting all the the timeline screwed up, but that one you know is another one that it's kind of fun to hear the stories about the making of that and and the, how the director feels about it and things like that. So, oh definitely. Do we have yeah? I know else? there's a was that. Do we have anything else? We've got one more thing. Ooh, what is it? Exorcist 2, The Heretic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Can you... I don't know what could save this one, though. <laughs> They'd have, they would have to have some really, really good interviews and <laughs> documentaries on this one. Cause... Well, it, it is going to be a two-disc collector's edition. And there's going to be two <laughs> versions of the movie, and okay. we can confirm that there's a new interview with Linda Blair. Okay. All right. So already I'm sold. I'm sold because <laughs> this movie is crazy. Uh, it was funny seeing the reactions to this where most of the time, like like with the Texas Chainsaw, the next generation, you know, there are some people kind of booing it and whatever, but there's some people that were championing it. This one, I don't think I saw one person on their Facebook page excited about it. I felt kind of bad because it was just negative post after negative post underneath their initial announcement. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see. I, you know, I, I have that Exorcist box set and mm. um, that's the only place that I've seen it. So if there's, I don't know if there's another cut on that one. So I'm always 
a fan of checking out different cuts of a film and kind of reevaluating based on those. So who knows, man? I'm trying to be positive about this one. I, this one, this <laughs> this one, I might wait for uh, like next year's summer slasher sale or whatever. And I'll probably pass it out. <laughs> I could have sworn I saw one positive reaction to the news I, of this release couple, on yeah. Twitter. Okay. Oh wait! Oh, I'm sorry. That was mine. Never mind. <laughs> no, nah, there was a couple. It was just on their Facebook page. It was brutal, though. I, find, oh, I kind of feel desensitized with a, you know, just negative post after negative post. Oh well, what what are you gonna do? You know. But the funny thing is, half those people, over half those people that are complaining, they're gonna buy it. You know, they are because it's in a slip. Oh, of course. And it's a collector's edition, and they're gonna want to <laughs> complete their collection. <laughs> And with that, ladies and gentlemen, that's all the Blu-ray news I have for you. Awesome. Josh, thanks, man, for giving us the uh, the info. And everyone, if, if you're listening to this and you and you talk to Brad Henderson online, make sure he listens to this segment because he missed out on the escape from Absalom, a.k.a. Um, <laughs> no escape. No escape announcement. And he didn't know about it till like a week and a half later. And I'm just saying... <laughs> You know, if you want to keep up to date with this stuff, you got to listen to the segment. Yep. I know. I know that uh, I always end up buying a few things every time we talk. So <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> All right, Josh. Thanks, man. We'll talk to you next time. All right. Take it easy, you guys. See you later. So uh, without further ado, though, we got a lot of shit to cover, so we need to get into this. Time is money, uh, as they say, Um, but uh, the person that told me that was a prostitute. So moving along, let's jump into this. Let's talk about the first Blu-ray on the agenda. We will talk about Star Time. Now, we did cover this. Yeah. Uh, we did cover this uh, in depth in a the first episode of the year, actually, and then we got the uh, you know the announcement that it was being released on Blu-ray, and there was much rejoicing. I wanted to mention very quickly because we've discussed this film quite a bit, but we need to mention like the Blu-ray transfer and everything that's involved with this disc because a lot of people when they saw this being released and they're like, "Well, what the hell, Star Time," and we said you need to buy Star Time. Because it's amazing. Um, I said during the VHS, when we talked about the VHS, that I really would have loved to see this in HD. And goddamn, did it not disappoint. This thing was like almost a completely other movie rewatching this on Blu-ray. I loved it even more. What did you guys think? It was really great. I actually didn't watch the Blu-ray because I saw the movie a bunch when I was younger. And uh, you didn't even compare scenes. No, it's still wow. sealed. Wow. I trust. I trust it's great. Maybe <laughs> one day I'll, I'll, I'll rewatch again. Okay. I, mean, I, I mean, it's not one of those films that you rewatch a lot. So it's like. I saw it maybe, I don't know, maybe twice, three times, three, three times for sure, I guess. Um, listen to the old episode. I'm probably making that up. Um, <laughs> but uh yeah, I, I mean, it's not something like, oh, let me go home and watch Star Time. I mean, it's great for the first. I mean, I think watching it in HD 
would probably be the better thing to do just because of how, you know, it's always just been on, on VHS and it is kind of a dark movie. So uh, I imagine it looks really nice. Um, but I will check it out eventually, but it will probably be showing somebody um, a weird fever dream movie that okay. they want to see. All right. Well, this is the director's cut never before on home video. So there's that. Ooh. Stephanie, Stephanie, did you watch the Blu-ray uh, and compared to the VHS, what did you think? Sean, I literally told you not to ask me about it. <laughs> you own did. It. <laughs> Never mind. This segment is going down, and the annals is one of the worst uh, in Screamcast history. All right. Well, I'll talk. I'll, like, like, how look about look well, I'll just this say thing? What, um, what Stephanie said in the <laughs> in the DMs is, "Dude, scroll up." <laughs> So, all right. Well, you know what? Uh, no big for, deal. Okay. All right. My two hosts, uh, co-hosts, uh, have ruined this part of the of the show. I will tell all of you that uh, this thing is Revelation in HD. If you have not seen it, and if you only saw the YouTube version uh, or a VHS version or whatever, the Blu-ray version is where it's at. And I kind of wish I would have seen it that way for the first time because it does enhance. An already batshit and crazy film, uh, so check it out. All right, let's 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 recoup here. Let's re refocus and move on to the next flick uh, that we're going to talk about. This is a awesome little weird sci-fi. What is it? Drug-induced journey. What is called it? What is it? Liquid Sky. Liquid Sky. Liquid Sky. Now, I, I feel like, I don't know how long, if we, we've mentioned this before, but I don't think we've actually even talked about the movie. I had never heard about the film. Um, this is from 1982, directed by... Um, Slava something. I'm going to butcher this. Slava... I was going to say Suckerman. Yeah, T-Silent. that's right. Yeah, <laughs> The T-Silent. There you go. <laughs> wow. Anyway, this film is great. Uh, this is one of those moments where I really love what Vinegar, Vinegar Syndrome does because they take a movie that I hadn't really heard about and they elevate it into a really cool package, really cool features, and uh, this thing was a joy to discover uh, as I started watching it. Now, one of our kind of... Uh, uh, one of the other shows on the Screaming Pods Network kind of lampooned this movie, and they kind of made fun of it for an hour. Uh, I was a, kind of, I was a bit, uh, was a bit disappointed. So if you heard Are that, you gonna episode, fire him? No, I'll, I'll let it slide this time around. But if you heard that, and you were gonna like, and be like, oh yeah, fuck that movie. It's just a dumb little, crappy little movie. Uh, no, they're wrong. This movie is great. Uh. My d- stupid dog is just grinding at this what, bone first at off, my feet. First off, I'm gonna freaking. What show was this? What show was this? I don't want. Uh, Good times, great movies. Good times, great movies. Okay, wait. What? Well, then why are they talking about it for an hour? If it's Good Times, Great Movies, and they're talking about a bad movie for an hour, uh, they're kind of making they're kind of making fun of it. Uh, this, some, well, you know what? You know, hey, we, I may need to have a talk up. with some of these podcasts. Um, well, yeah. no, that's the beauty of, of, <laughs> of uh, you know, opinions that everybody has one. They're all different and it sparks 
conversation because if everybody agreed, then we wouldn't have the show. Exactly. Um, so what do you guys think of Lucas uh, guy, Brad? Well, well, first off, I want to ask, this is you, this is your first time seeing it, but you said this is the first time hearing about it. Yeah, no, I had never heard about this movie ever before, oh, man. which is crazy. Yeah. Cause so, and Carlisle, uh, performance of ever of a lifetime playing two performances. Yeah. Yeah. Playing two characters. And then, and, and I totally bought her as two separate characters. I didn't even, it didn't even sink in when I, when you're first introduced to the other character she's playing, it didn't even sink in right away. Then I was like, Oh shit, she's playing two characters. Like it just, it was, it was so good that it didn't even really, you know, phase me at all. Hmm. Well, no, this is one of these films that has always been like to me, it's always been kind of sought after people. People really love it. Um, you know, it's 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 a different animal that, you know, I guess vinegar syndrome tackled on this one, because mm-hmm. this is to like to me when they announced when I knew that they were doing this, this is before they announced it. I was like, holy shit, that's going to be a fucking huge movie for you guys. And uh, I mean, I, they knew the fan base they were hitting because, I mean, this thing, I remember even working the booth um, like a spooky empire and we had like 20 of these motherfuckers and they sold immediately um, just because, you know, th- there's so many like in the they already had like a thousand like slip covers printed and those things sold out immediately. Yeah, I think um, that was like the fastest I've ever seen the slipcover version sell out. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I think it was just also just due to the fact it was the movie, because this is something that has suffered a couple DVD releases. And uh, I mean, even though DVD did it a little bit of justice, other than VHS, um, the DVD doesn't really. I mean, it's such a beautiful movie, and it's so weird. But if you just take the look of the film itself. And and what they accomplished with so, so little um, money um, is just yeah. it's 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 quite like it kind of takes you back, like thinking, man, like people are making these movies for, you know, under a hundred or uh, under under uh, a million dollars. Like, that's fucking nuts. I mean, yeah. it's the movie's a lot bigger than than it appears to be in a way, if that makes any sense. But, um, yeah, it was just always one of those films that I, I knew. Uh, you know, I had the DVD for quite some time. Thank you, Vinegar Syndrome, for making me $120 because someone bought it for that <laughs> idiot. Um, <laughs> so I sold my DVD for $120. Oh my god! Um, I love it. Um, and then oh. I had, uh, you know, my 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 Blu-ray that that came in. Um, but uh, yeah, I. So a little backstory on on this on this movie from the point of. Uh, um, vinegar syndrome. I, I won't. I won't tell too much because I don't know what I'm allowed to say. I might not even be like. I guess I could say this. So, anyways, uh, as far as I know, this is the the most work that has ever been put in to a transfer and a film that they had. Um, and it was completely supervised by uh, the director, and almost to the point where he was. You know, he, obviously, he was heavily involved. Uh, with uh, with the process, um, and uh, I, I just know it was a huge undertaking, um, and also dealing with uh, the director, I guess, was a little much, um, and uh, yeah, I I, I I think this is one of their babies as far as vinegar syndrome goes because of how much work and how much 
was involved around this. So I'm glad it's very successful uh, for them. I'm, I'm glad people are willing to upgrade if they own the DVD. Um, and plus, I don't think the DVD was that popular. So I think it's one of those things that was kind of a rarity to begin with. And I have, I have, I don't really see the VHS land around too much either. So it's one of those things that suffered both physical media releases as far as VHS and DVD. Um, so I think people are really, really happy um, that this one is is out of purchase. Plus, I mean, it, it's just one of those films that there's not too many films like this either. It, it really is bizarre. It's super weird, um, and it is it's so artsy at the same time. But it's also just kind of a, a little bit of a mini clusterfuck, too. Um, but it's kind of a beautiful disaster, in a way. Um, but I have, I've always really enjoyed it. I, I just love looking at it, and even more so now. Yeah. Just because it, you really get to see what you know you pretty much got to see in the theater, which I never got to see in theaters, obviously. Um, I just you know always had the tape and DVD. But um, it really felt like I was watching it for the first time because the colors are just popping off the screen. Like, it's so, so smooth, so good. Um, yeah, just a really, really well done job. I mean, Vinegar Syndrome always does quality work. Um, you know, I can only think of maybe one or two releases that, that were like, eh. But there was obviously there's reasons behind that, um, you know, as far as like the elements they had. But that's not their fault. But this is by far um, some of the best best work uh, that they've done, and it obviously shows that they took their time. So. Yeah, Stephanie, you're definitely not miss like you're missing out if you're not purchasing this. Purchasing this, that's yeah. for sure. Stephanie, had you seen this before? No, I hadn't. I actually, unlike you, I had heard of it. I would read about it on like obscure movie blogs and I'd be like wow that sounds really way out there but I never really hunted it out and then when it said surprise this is one of the secret titles I kind of freaked out and immediately ordered it and I'm thrilled I did because uh, it, it's <laughs> truly a one of a kind film and the neon aesthetic of the whole thing like the fact that they put so much work into the the uh, restoration and the transfer, like this is the kind of movie that needs that. I don't, I almost don't think they would have gotten away with putting it on Blu-ray without that level of work uh, because it's so focused aesthetically. Um, I've heard a few people don't like it. And if you go in expecting like a really A, B, C plot, it might let you down, but like you could tell <laughs> a lot of art school people worked on this and <laughs> i wouldn't say it's dream logic i would say it's drug logic yeah well yeah well, lots the, of cocaine yeah well the yeah. plots i mean the plot is all about <laughs> is is drug already already you know drug infused because you got these these aliens in this tiny flying saucer that come to earth and i guess they're looking for heroin and they land on top of uh of a roof and um i guess uh, who, so it's it's uh, Anne Carlisle, right? Playing and and she, and it's her uh, it's her lover, right? Played by Paula Shepard. Is that correct? Wait, no? Paula Sh Paula Shepard. Who's uh, who's? Is there a drug dealer? Is there a guy? I, I'm I'm I can't. I'm, I'm horrible at doing plots. Well, it's it's Jimmy Jimmy and Margaret are the two. No, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. The drug dealer guy. He's the abusive guy. Uh, right, right. So they 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 go on. They land on top of their apartment. 
I don't know. All I know is like they're Wait, looking for are drugs. Are you talking about? Are you talking about the scientist dude? See, we're already getting the, getting the plot all fucked up. Well, you you don't need to worry about the plot because <laughs> I think even talking about the whole alien thing, that's an aspect of it, but. It's it's like a tiny little engine. Like this is the kind of movie that spends most of its time on the characters like slowly tearing each other apart or someone zoning out and slowly applying makeup and you see the entire process. So I almost think like talking about the spaceship almost just leads people in the <laughs> wrong direction <laughs> with what the plot's like. This is one of those movies you just kind of have to let yourself drift into and like evaporate <laughs> inside yeah, it. it's 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 kind of like the reverse thing with maximum overdrive if you tell people that that the end of the movie it was a ufo controlling the trucks it kind of throws everything out of perspective rather than just the trucks coming to life <laughs> sure <laughs> you know but instead it's like there's a ufo that begins in this movie it's like no that's probably not the best way to start yeah. this movie like to get people to watch it like I, I honestly I don't know how to explain this movie to people. Um, I I always tell people that um, you know you might want to pick kind of like futuristic cyberpunk stuff with it, but this is not going to be like you know Future Kill or like Split Second. It's not right. going to be either of those movies. Which, honestly, if you did a triple feature with, like, Future Kill and then Liquid Sky and then Split Second, that might be pretty cool. <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, I think this goes a line of Future future Kill. Why isn't Future Kill on fucking Blu-ray? I don't know, man. Someone, I mean, someone, someone needs to get on that. Get an insider. That, make it happen. That poster <laughs> alone sells, sells you. Oh, yeah. I mean, that... That poster is amazing, but anyways, well, it's Geiger, um, man. It's so, HR Geiger. Yeah, you're you're not gonna get you're you're not gonna get something like that. You are getting more of an artsy fartsy movie, but also with a punk kind of punk rock attitude. But you know, it's more of a punk rock, neon infused, drug infused uh, drama yeah. than anything. With with you a kick ass um, performance by Ann Carlisle and and the other yeah. actress I was talking about. Um, Paula Shepard. She plays. She, she plays the girl. She has that like boombox. Catherine. She plays Catherine. I don't know the actress's names. What I'm looking at does not have their actress's names. Just has the actors' names, or it doesn't have the character names. So I'll end. The girl that plays the boombox. She, she's perf- doing that performance. She's standing at the the model at the at the show, and she's like standing on that speaker with the microphone. Her whole like her whole performance. I can't remember the name. I don't think Brad watched this movie. Well, how am I not watching the? You don't know any of the characters' names. Well, I'm this trying to be. I'm so trying bad. to be you and not pull up IMDb. Hold on, let me pull up Cat, IMDb. I don't. Even I made fun IMDb. of every time I bring up IMDb. Catherine's all, the one. Paula Shepard was Adrian. Adrian, the girl that raps. She raps. Oh, because that's the dude. That's the um. That's the the drug addict's uh, girlfriend, right? Paul or whatever, right? Adrian. Or they... Yeah, Paul is the is the the oh, drug dealer guy. See, oh you. I think in a, I'm. 
I don't know how I don't know how you remember all this shit. All right, but she's the girl. All I know is she's the girl that does that rap song, and that rap song is awesome. Don't you remember? Just holding the thing, playing the music. No, I know. I know what rapping. you're talking about. I'm trying to think of the. I'm. I'm getting. I'm getting Catherine and Adrian confused on what they look like. That's my problem. Well, so this Ad- is interesting. The woman who plays the hairstylist in the movie, her last name is Hatful. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Um, so Adrian's the one that has the boombox. Okay, got it. Yeah, cool. I liked her a lot. That's all. That's, I, all this to say, I like that. that character a lot, and I liked the little <laughs> rap that she did. <laughs> Nineteen eighty-two, some of our best movie rapping in this era. It's like it's like it's not necessarily rap. It's almost like it's almost like I guess spoken poetry. Word. Yeah, spoken oh, you word. You know what? You know what? This would probably really go uh, along with is actually. Um, I come in peace, Dark Angel. Because you know <laughs> oh. how the, how the aliens are after the endorphins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's kind of what this is like too, because they have that orgasm endorphin thing. Yeah, oh, they're after they're after pheromones. That. So because they realize that that pheromones that come out of uh, people as they're having an orgasm is almost as it's even better that's, than heroin. That's why so, you make the big bucks, Brad. That so is a future, good double feature. Future kill. No, triple. Future kill. Oh, just wow. because I want to throw future kill in something. Actually, you know what? Have, have a Friday, Saturday night, double features, split second and future kill. And then next night, Liquid Sky and I Come in Peace. And there you go. With matching drugs. You go in pieces. That's like one of my favorite all-time dumb last-liners in fucking Dark Angel. You go in peace. The Liquid Sky. <laughs> anyway, so back to back. All right, to, I, let, I, let's I, wrap up on Liquid Sky. I we have a, a bunch more to go through today. It did make my top ten Blu-rays of last year list. Yes. Yeah, it, it, beautiful. This thing, this it's worth it. Stuffed full of content. It's an, an amazing movie if you keep an open mind. Agreed. No, I agree. Yeah, you have to have an open mind for this one. <laughs> and maybe a vape pen full of some THC. If you know what I'm saying. Whoa, if it's legal. Whoa. If it's legal, everybody. THC. It has to be legal. What Make sure are it's they, legal. Babies? Come on, you need some shrooms. Some <laughs> oh. ha- speedball it. Speedball oh, I, it. Okay. Chase, we're, you're ready. We're, we're diving into the deep end, and I'm not ready for that. I'm just doing the, the, the toe dip of legal vape pen THC. I'm pitching you Club Scum's is, drug corner right now. <laughs> <laughs> is what I'm doing. Not ready to go to the shrooms. And those aren't legal, so I can't just go to the store and buy that. Anyway, uh, enough about California marijuana law. Let's jump into... Uh, they, they, there's a few black exploitation films that we'll jump into right now, starting with Sweet Sweet Backs. Bad... As song. Wow. Did I do that right? Wow, you don't have to <laughs> say it like that. Right? Yes, he does. And you need to drag the S's out longer than Bad the A's, but it was a good try. Song. <sighs> How's that? Is that better? Okay. I'm proud All right. of you for trying. We have talked about Sweet Sweetback's badass song before. Brad, you and I did a black exploitation series. Uh, a few years yeah, back. Yeah, that is very, very, 
very underrated. The black our black black exploitation episodes. Yeah, we have four episodes out there where we did black exploitation for. Was it four? four it was, episodes, I right? think it was three. It was two or three. Three. three it, it may have been two. I may have been like ah, three is pushing it for two white guys talking black exploitation. I don't know if I have enough of that. I don't. I don't know if I have enough of that knowledge. So there's a missing episode. There might be two white guys talking about black exploitation. <laughs> well, this we've been we've been talking about this uh, Blu-ray for quite a while though, because we got. I mean, it's, they've been working on this for quite a while, and it finally is out there. And, a long, long time. Yeah, and the versions when we were when we were talking, Brad, when we did that episode, the only way it was available was on. I mean, I found it on. I had to watch some YouTube rip of a VHS. I think. I don't even know if it was a. It, it was it, it was on DVD for a while, wasn't it? Or was this the first time making this um, way to the disc? I, yeah, no, no, it's been on DVD. Yeah, okay. I, I owned it for a little while. So maybe I, I watched it. I don't know. Pretty I, sure it was. Pretty sure it was a legit copy. Yeah. Well, it was. It was hard the to find. The fact that you have to discuss it that much is crazy because it's such a legendary movie and like yeah. historically yeah. as a documentary about it. That's kind of crazy. <laughs> Yeah, he has a movie about the making of it. When his son made the, I mean, honestly, talk about another great double feature is Melvin Van Peebles' Sweet, Sweet Back's Badass Song, and then Mario Van Peebles' uh, Honor to His Father with Badass. I mean, Jesus fucking Christ. Like, I mean, I, I, Mario Van Peebles did such a phenomenal job making that movie. Um, and 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 Heinz, uh, just taking uh, what his father did, and and be able to you know take that and and kind of I don't know just just kind of re envision what his father's life was like and the hardships and heartbreak that he had, but also the you know large amount of success. But this movie, I I can't imagine uh, you know seeing this and at that time, um, I bet that was just a fucking like hard hitting on the screen especially at opening scene i mean how yeah. fucking awesome no and i first that? tried to see this before the blu-ray i turned it off <laughs> no because that first thing because it's a child thought, game yeah rate. yeah yeah and that's like a hard line for me and then when it's like oh we'll be talking about it, i'm like okay i'm skipping that scene but i've been wanting to watch this movie for a long time anyway but yeah i think once you get yeah, past that once you get past the opening scene, I mean, the, the way it's depicted isn't like it, it's still really, really rough. But yeah. it's it like I've I've seen people like I mean, it is it's 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 child rape and in but it's 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 done. They're trying to be funny about it, but I think I th- I think it hits a comedy aspect, but. I think it's not to... for me. <laughs> no, no. Well, I, I that's where you I... take like the time and place, like when the movie came out, what society was like back then, what was, de- you know what yeah, I mean? It's yeah. just one of those yeah, things. I, I, it yeah, and it, it's like, it's Mario is playing right. the young boy. Yeah, yeah. and I, I think it's one of those <laughs> things where it's, um, a- after knowing the history and story of the movie, I it doesn't, uh, you know, I, I think it's easier to watch for for. for for oh, myself. Sure. Well, knowing the know. framing of things always helps. But yeah, like I can't imagine right. going in the theater, even if you're pretty used to exploitation films and everything. That's like oh, no, no. punching in the I'm face saying. to welcome me to welcome you. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I think, but I think, what a f- fucking opening scene, though, to a movie. I mean, that's that's insane. That's um, ballsy. Yeah, no, I mean, I, 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 I think that's, I think that's the point. I mean, in order to get, I mean, even with um, kind of uh, Melvin Van Peebles' book, um, or one of his books. How many books is that guy? He has like a bunch of books. Um, but anyways, just kind of his story uh, of of how how to 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 make to make a movie and that that hard hitting. I mean, it's just. I mean, at that time, um, you know, being being a black 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 person in general, and um, you know, being an artist and and getting your film into theaters. I mean, he really wanted to push the envelope on that, and he did. And I mean, I don't, I think the movie still would have stood on its own, but I think in order to get people to talk about it, I think, um, a little bit more, I think that opening scene probably set it a little over the edge, which made it even probably more successful at the time to get out there. But I mean, it's, it's heavy. That's for sure. So uh, other than that, Stephanie, what, what, this is your first time watching this movie. What did you think about it? What were your thoughts on seen this for the first time well when i came back to it um i was able to kind of think back to that scene mm-hmm. um because sweetback is a very detached character you know he's not like hey i'm a fucking love machine like he seems just very detached like how he he's almost uh like a low-key really cool terminator it's just like, oh, God, do this, this, this. Like every sexual encounter, it's like he gets these faraway eyes and is just mechanical about it. And that opening scene really puts that in context. And uh, I, I still hate that scene, but yeah. in a way, <laughs> I guess it did kind of have to be there to show what his entire life was like, like how he's been used and how he's just, had to reframe his thinking into dealing with everything. And there's there's a lot of fun in this movie. Don't get me wrong. Um, it's like a great running through the city, uh, you know, wronged man kind of movie. But there is this depth of character that you don't always see with this genre. Um, I won't get into it, but it's the same way with Brother Charles. It's, it's fantastic. And it, it makes sense that it has... Uh, such a strong place in history because mm-hmm. there's so much going on and when you just think about what they had to go through the budget everything it's pretty incredible uh so yeah even though i had that rough start um it, it's an important film and i'm really glad i saw it yeah well this one has some uh a lot of uh, interviews and things like that to kind of give you some context. I would I would definitely recommend watching the Mario Mario Van Peebles uh, film. Uh, it's just is that one just called Badass? Yeah, it's just called Badass. It's so um, good, so good. definitely watch that. I wish that was out on on Blu-ray because definitely that because that, that's the only way that I've ever really seen this movie is I've watched Badass first and then I watched Sweet Sweetback's Badass song uh, and then. So it was, it was always within that context. So I always knew the behind the scenes stuff kind of going into it. I was never just sat and watched this film <laughs> without that context. But there's some really good interviews. You got a, a, a career interview with Melvin Van, Melvin Van Peebles. Um, then you have another interview with uh, Neva Rochelle, uh, that actress. Uh, and then there's, a, there's even a question, a Q&A from a 2013 
Black Panther Film Festival. Um, and then another uh, interview with uh, with Van Peebles um, called The Real Deal. So there's some good stuff on this, but I definitely would recommend you check out the film uh, Badass as well if you haven't seen this too. But I think a lot of people have seen this film, but I think uh, finally seeing it and having it presented this way, I think it's going to be going to do it even... I mean, it's, it's, it's even to be out there even more. I'm, I'm glad that it's, it's easily accessible now because this well, is it's such an, it's important an film. It's an important, yeah, it's an important film and it, and it kickstarted a genre and it kickstarted, you know, a rev- revolution. And, um, yeah. you know, it made, it was, it, you know, especially with, you know, because, I mean, you had um, uh, Sweet Back in 71, but, like, right before that in, in uh, with novels, you had... Um, uh, Robert Beck, um, you know, is uh, Iceberg Slim, who is mm. who is writing his memoirs and his in his novels, you know, like Pimp and Trick Baby and stuff like that. And I mean, it was just you know, at the end of the '60s and beginning of the '70s, it was such a you know an important time. And if you haven't, you guys are listening and you haven't read any Iceberg Slim books, I would highly suggest reading um, Pimp and Trick Baby. Um, but um, just so important and so influential that is still, um, you know, sparking, um, you know, because when you're a, you know, a little black kid or something growing up, I mean, wh- what do you want to what do you want to hear about? What do you want to see? I mean, you just want to see a bunch of, um, you know, white people making movies where you're the drug dealer all the time. Or do you want to see a movie where you are the drug dealer kicking the you know, police's <laughs> yeah. ass? You know, but I'm just saying it. It it just it you know it made something where you know black people were heroes. Um, you know, and it's just and it's and it's cool because I mean then eventually you had you know uh, people uh, you know white 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 uh, directors stand up and 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 make make those films too. Like you know, I mean like Matt Simber. Yeah, Matt Simber, I mean, Jack, um, Jack Hill, um, uh, Larry Cohen, they were all making these important black exploitation flicks, but from a white, um, a white director that said, hey, you know, you know, this is this is, you know, uh, basically making a statement in, in Hollywood as well. I mean, they were they were taking a chance and, you know, they cared. And I, I think but I mean, it was it was. It was, you know, Melvin Van Peebles that that started this, that was able that was able to put that out there, and it's just it's such an important piece of film history, and you um, just created uh, a wave, man, a huge yeah. wave, and it's just it all it all goes back to that, you know. I mean, because a lot of these, a lot of films, you know, horror films, slasher films, there's always that debate, like you know, what came first. Which I mean, ultimately, it was definitely "Sweet Sweet Back's Badass Song." That was, you know, what the content was in the film. I, I consider the first uh, black exploitation film. I know there's some arguments on that, <laughs> but I mean, I think that's just nitpicking. But as far as like a true, like you know, uh, bleeding black exploitation movie, that "Sweet Sweet Back" is definitely. Well, let's jump into these other uh, black exploitation films uh, that we, that we have here from Vinegar Syndrome. Are all of these? Well, no. Uh, so, Sweet Streetback's Badass Song that was their what, their partnership with what was the studio, Brad? Xenon. Xenon. I, I don't know. I don't know if that's a Xenon. 
is it? I don't. I don't yeah, know. It I, is. yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Okay, that was. But uh, welcome home, brother Charles. And then it has another bonus movie on there called MMA. Those were with Crown International. So let's talk a little bit about Welcome Home, Brother Charles. Oh boy! This was directed <laughs> by Jama Fanaka, who we've talked about previously with the Penitentiary films in yep. our last Vinegar Syndrome Extravaganza, which Brad, you were not here for. So it was, uh, I was not. Rob, Rob Hunter and I were talking uh, oh. Penitentiary. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, uh, so I wow, was a that fan. Was a little bit of shaming, I felt. <laughs> a little bit. I was a fan of the penitentiary films, um, so I was excited to watch another Jama Fanaka film. Um, this one, it, this one feels a little even more at home with Vinegar Syndrome, uh, just because there's a, yeah. there's a twist in the film uh, regarding, <laughs> I believe, the weapon of choice. Uh, I did not see that coming. for our lead character. <laughs> No, just if you say it, people will watch it. He kills with his dick. Yes, he does. He strangles him. <laughs> yeah. And uh, there's no suggestions or cutaways. You, you see that dick do it to her. And it yeah. is arresting. Oh, man. Uh, that, that escalated this film into upper tier Vinegar Syndrome releases for me. Um, because... It's a fan. That's a fantastic surprise. But this film's like. But but the thing is, like the film, I I think was I was having a lot of the of fun with the film anyway. Just oh, trying yeah. to figure out because it starts out with uh, it opens with him. He's wanting. To, he's on a ledge, right? He's gonna jump, and you have all the stuff going on, and you need you know you need to find out why this how this guy got there, and that's that's basically what what happens. You find out why he got there. I, I think I think it's great. I mean, I it was funny because when they first announced this, I didn't know what it was. And I was like, Welcome home, brother Charles and then I saw I like looked it up and then I saw it was, you know, uh, the director and I was like, Oh, that's and I was like, I have this on fucking tape, but it was <laughs> it's just called it's called Soul Vengeance and I always like that title mm-hmm. a lot better. So mm-hmm. I was like, Man, I don't like the title Welcome Home Brother Charles. Um but anyways, yeah, Soul Vengeance. I remember watching Soul Vengeance when I was a little kid. What? <laughs> you with the films that you've seen as a kid, man. And um, I, I at that time, I mean, I say I was little. I was probably like 14. So I was a teenager. I shouldn't say okay, little. Okay. I say little because you're allowed to see I, a, I, a man strangling old. people with a dick at that age. <laughs> um, so... <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was, I didn't know it was like black exploitation. I really don't know what I was watching. It was one of those times where, you know, I was just buying uh, VHS tapes like at thrift stores and wherever I could buy them. And I came across that one and I put it in and I just didn't know what to say. I was <laughs> like, you know, because I saw some weird shit, but this is like, you know, this is before I really, really got into like weird, weird shit. And I was, I didn't know if the movie was like real. I, I just remember sitting like thinking, what is going on? What is happening? Um, and it wasn't until years later I realized it was the penitentiary um, guy when I was, because um, I remember when Xenon put out um, the special editions of Penitentiary on DVD. 
And uh, I picked those up. And that's eventually when I connected it to. But it was so, so different, especially with his background, like in film school and making something so good, like Penitentiary, even Penitentiary 2. Penitentiary 3, not so much. But, um, you know, the first two Penitentiary movies uh, is such a substantial and staple when it comes to black exploitation. And Welcome Home, Brother Charles, Soul Vengeance is that as well. But it's a different tier. Like it was almost, in a way, it was a comedic, yeah, um, black exploitation film rather than kind of, you know, because so, I mean, there's funny parts in Penitentiary, but it's very serious. I feel like I don't, I don't, I find kind of the situations funny and some of the characters just based off how they're acting. But as far as like just being ridiculous. No pun intended. I think that, <laughs> yeah, Welcome Home, Brother Charles is like a different, different movie, but it's still, it's still enjoyable. Like I really, really like it. It's just, it's just different. Yeah. But anyways, that's yeah. just me. Uh, Stephanie, your thoughts on Welcome Home, Brother Charles, other than the obvious. Uh, yeah, it, before that crazy twist, it, <laughs> Really well done, but pretty standard. Um, you know, like a man put in jail for bullshit reasons, mm-hmm. and then he gets out and he both tries to rebuild this life while seeking revenge. And it's um yeah, it it's incredibly well acted. Um you I love how character focused it was. Um even though it's basically a bunch of stupid white people <laughs> that you you're ready to see their comeuppance, uh, they're not caricatures. No one's a caricature. You see a lot of uh, people at their home life, and I thought that really strengthened the film. Um, and even though that's such a great scene and such a great twist to the movie, that's not all it is. It's um, I thought it was. I love their relationships. It's crafted really well. Uh, I had a great time with uh, Welcome Home, Brother Charles. Awesome. Um, so, th- th- yeah, this was a fun one. Uh, fun fun for me to discover uh, new black exploitation, of course. And uh, and with all the, the batshit insanity that goes into it. I mean, I, uh, I'm, I'm, he, he also, d- does he also kind of have like a way to kind of... Uh, entrance women or something like that as well is there like a supernatural aspect or was i just reading okay i i was trying to figure out if it was just playing on like a white man's fear of like if if like oh if a black man tries to seduce my wife like she won't have it you know right right yeah yeah no i don't think it's like it's like a superpower i just think it's i think it's like I like I, I agree with Stephanie what she said, but there's a lot of jokey, like um, just a lot of jokey things that are looked at of how white people view black people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And I think I it's think that's of that. yeah, that's like the joke with you know the the strangling of you know with, with the with the penis and you know black black women stealing you you know the white women away. I think it's all a joke inside of that. Mm-hmm. That's the reason why I feel like it's so different for him. Like, it's not like, like you're cracking up watching the movie in that sense. I think there's a statement. It's, it's more or less, um, I don't know. 
It's it's jokey, but I think there's a statement behind it. I don't know what you would call a type yeah. of movie like that. Okay, kind of like self aware in a way. I don't know. So this Blu-ray has uh, another movie as kind of a special feature, and I had sent these movies off to Stephanie, and I didn't realize that there's a. I, I think I two of these actually that we'll <laughs> find out. I didn't realize <laughs> that there was extra movies on these sets. So MMA, uh, I could do a really bad horrible stupid dad joke uh regarding you know people fighting in an octagon but i'm not going to i'm gonna avoid that easy joke right now but emma oh my god i just got it you're an idiot uh it's a 1974 i believe 1974 film from fanaka and uh i have no idea what it's about but stephanie did you this is debut okay 76 okay this is debut uh, I think it was the year after Brother Charles. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So, uh, I need a penitentiary. What, uh, what is Emma May about? And how was it? Well, uh, good if I remember. Go ahead, yeah. Stephanie. Uh, Emma May, she uh, is a cousin who comes to stay with her family in California. Uh, she's like a farm girl, and they're kind of like, "Oh, we'll show you all the cool California stuff." They're from Mississippi, right? It's like a Mississippi yeah, family, exactly. yeah. And um, so they take her to a party, but they discover she she's cool and she can stand up for herself. She's not like a country bumpkin, and she falls for a guy uh, who ends up in prison, and. Uh, she basically works her ass off and she like creates a, a car wash to uh, try to raise money uh, to support his. Well, he develops a gambling addiction in prison and she's just working her ass off to help him out and get him out there. And um, it's a very standard plot, especially coming after Welcome Home Brother Charles. Um, and the alternate title is Black Sisters Revenge. Yeah, Black Sisters. Yeah. Real misleading. Really misleading. <laughs> right, because there is no revenge. I mean, a dude gets because, kicked she in does, the dick a lot, which is <laughs> well, that's the fight that's scene. Not but like, the plot she anything. does. She plots a blank uh, a bank robbery, right? Yeah, like the most adorable bank robbery. I've yeah, ever seen. <laughs> and then when it all goes down, that's when. But it, she beats the fucking shit out of her boyfriend, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And I I enjoyed it, but it's a very low key movie. There aren't any twists to it or anything. It, it's not bloody or anything. I mean, that's um, we literally just told the entire movie, if I yeah. remember correctly. Yeah, uh, it's like worse. there's not much going on. <laughs> Uh, Jerry Hayes, uh, who played MMA, she's so wonderful. She's really natural. I think it was the only acting role she ever did, which is too bad. Um, because she really, I don't know how old she was, but she seems so young and she carried the entire movie. Um, so yeah, I, if they released this by itself, it probably wouldn't be the biggest seller, but. Right. It's a good, a good idea to put on. As an extra. Awesome. Yeah, I'll have to check it out now. If yeah. uh, if if I ever get my movies back from you, Stephanie. Yeah. Oh, we'll see what happens. So pushy. <laughs> awesome. So it's that's so it's built as a special feature, and um, I mean, it's like, do you like that they do this? They kind of put them put these things in there. They've done this before with other films, and because they don't treat it as like double feature, they treat it. 
as like there's a little extra and oh it's a full movie yeah no they they really don't publicize um what like what they're doing i mean yeah. i actually i i heard about the special feature on blue vengeance like yesterday but i didn't get to actually watch it it's not even on um, the cover at least emma may is yeah. on the cover yeah. this one yeah so i mean no they've done this a few times where there's uh, like a secret a secret movie mm-hmm. i mean even in corruption has uh last house on dead end street on it which yeah. is uh which is not their like official uh release of it but it's just kind of an extra feature but yeah. it was just it's just really bizarre that um that they that they don't do that but i mean it's it's one of those things where i mean i think putting on there like bonus movie is definitely something um to get but at the same time it's like if you do that do people think like oh this must suck <laughs> well, you know yeah i, want, I wonder yeah. how that is because with me i'm like oh shit two movies um right. you know and it's like you know mma i i knew about the film but I mean, immediately I was like, oh, OK, that's the reason why it's a special feature, because, <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it really is hard to be by itself because it is yeah. such a standard, non-eventful movie. It does have some like some good, great things about it. But all in all, like it's like, you know, you're not going to be filling seats with a repertory screening of this. Yeah. You know, it's it's just very standard. It's nothing really special. Um, it's just one of his movies, you know, and uh, obviously they acquired the um, library. Oh, man, I hope they release. Um, was it Street Wars that he did in the 90s? That shit's good. Oh my I'm God, sold on the name. All right. We yeah. need to keep things moving along. Uh, we are going to jump into an interview that Stephanie and I did earlier in the week. We got a hold of Norman J. Warren, the director of terror and uh, pray and pray yeah uh so i'm gonna play that uh we're gonna jump into that right now and we'll come back and we'll talk about terror and a handful of other flicks so stick around to have on the screencast uh, the director of the film Terror uh, with us right now Mr. Norman J. Warren welcome to the screencast welcome thank you very much that's my kind of you. pleased to be with you what's funny is this was my first time seeing Terror and the movie Prey was my first time seeing that movie as well because of these Vinegar Syndrome releases and it's been a fun ride kind of discovering your films you know, after, after all these years that, I'm, that's why I'm really pleased about the releases, actually, because um, you know I, I think it is they are going to reach now a whole new uh, range of people that have never had the opportunity to see them before. So that that's a, a, really is a big plus as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. So, I'm, I won't ask you what you thought of them. I mean, that's another thing. But at least you got to see them, which is really good. <laughs> well, I tell you what, the 
Terror especially was right up my alley, and that's kind of where I wanted to start because this was released the year about the year after Suspiria came out, and there was some direct. Uh, you've said in interviews before that there this was you know inspired uh, pretty directly by Suspiria. But for me, coming through seeing ton of giallo and especially supernatural giallo type films like Suspiria over the years um, this was like right up there with some of the ones that I kind of loved the most and I, I just really loved uh, I, I loved the film <laughs> so it was interesting going back and reading reviews from that time on, and how they're connecting it to Suspiria and, and in, a, in like a negative way but I, I absolutely adored it. Yeah you're right there was lots of people that you know said in a negative way but it- I mean, I'd, already, I'd always explain right from the start that uh, Suspiria was an enormous influence. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, you know, it was the producer and myself, where we were in the unique position of actually having enough money again to, to make another film, but not 100% sure what kind of film to make. I mean, I, I knew it was going to be horror again, but there was a lot of horror films around at the time, an enormous amount coming out every month, and... And because they were coming out so fast, they were tending to look alike. Um, so we didn't really want to just go down the same line as everybody else. And Les, the producer, myself, quite independently, went to the to movies to see, and, and I went to see the film Suspiria, which I knew nothing about. Uh, and it just blew my mind away. I mean, it was just so different to anything else that was going around. I mean, it was wild lighting, wild sound. And the story really didn't make any real sense, but it was just, it was just so entertaining and visually interesting. But that, that, that infused us to say, right, we, we go that sort of route. You know, we won't worry too much about strong narrative. Um, we just make the film hopefully as entertaining as possible. And, uh, so yes, yeah, so I would say, you know, it's always said that, that uh, Suspiria was an enormous, uh, influence and, I never, you know, never wanted to copy. Well, yeah. I wasn't trying to make another Superior, but I mean, the first to say that it was made in the Superior style, definitely. I mean, the, the music and the sound effects and the lighting is all taken from Superior in, in in inspiration, not not mm. actual copy. If you see what I mean. Well, yeah, and that's and that's what I mean is that um, you can see the jumping off point. But what I what I really loved and appreciated was it wasn't trying to be a carbon copy but um stephanie what did you think of terror we stephanie and i haven't talked about what we both thought of the film all right stephanie what did you think oh i loved it as well um and like you said you can absolutely see the influences but it does not feel like a carbon copy um i i think the setting uh, plays a big part in that. I've been watching your films, and I love the way you use the location. They're almost like a character themselves, and it gives them such a distinct personality. And that was so strong in terror. And I was also wondering, um, with Argento, his visuals are always talked about, rightfully so, but he utilizes music very heavily. And I've noticed um, even starting with your first short film fragment, which is all music, um, yes, yes. just that and the actors' faces convey everything. Did that appeal to you too, especially with the budgets you were working with? Oh, indeed. And I, I mean, I, I think music is, is really such an important element of film. It really is. Um, so yes, I mean, it is a very important factor to me. And and it's nice of you to mention the little short film fragment. I will be honest with you, how that ended up with. You know, it is all music and effects. It's because 
I couldn't afford a sound recordist at the time. <laughs> I mean, I, I made the film with so little money, I could only afford to get the camera crew, uh, but I couldn't have a sound crew. So I had to shoot it without dialogue. And uh, and so I knew I was going to use um, special effects. I mean, makeup, uh, sound effects, I'm going to write them up. Sound effects. Uh, and then I met this man, John Scott, who offered to do the music. And, and that was the sort of... Uh, the crowning glory and it made it work so well so uh, but yes i mean music to me is, is a very important element of film and, and you need to get the right style once again jumping to terror um terror particularly in the title sequence and things like that it, i mean a lot of the music in terror is reasonably sort of straightforward um and done electronically but some of it like the, going back to the title music um was actually done in a way that rather than the music being written in one piece, it was done in sections and then put into loops. Um, and there's also the voices on it, which is actually the associate producer, uh, Moira Young and myself, just sort of wailing and things into the microphone and then changing <laughs> the speed and putting echoes on. And then in the mixing theatre, when we put it together, we would run the loops and just sort of let them run and come up randomly. So what you get when you see those scenes like that with the voices, you know, could never actually be repeated because they they just came up as the loops came up. So but it was a, quite a, a fun way of doing it. And I think actually gave it once again another element that sort of set it aside from, say, another film that would have been running that week at the theatre. You know, so, um, yes, yeah, so to answer your question, yeah, music is a very important element to me. And, and also, you very quickly, jumping, you mentioned about the um, the location. I would say another thing, too. I actually, in, I mean, I have done films in studios, but I actually enjoy doing locations because when you find the right location, I want to say, like, you know, visually looks right, I like the way that uh, a location actually dictates to you how you're going to shoot a scene. Whereas if you're in the studio, you know, you can have something built to your requirements. So... You know, you could say you want the door on the left and the stairs on the right. But when you get to a real location, you find the door is on the other side and there is no staircase in that room. And, you know, so therefore you have to think of the scene in a wholly different way. And very often I think you'll come up with more original ideas because, the, the, you know, the, the location actually dictates how you can do it. So, yeah, I'm a big fan of working on location, even though it does give you problems at times. But, <laughs> yeah. I noticed that specifically in, in Prey as well because yes. it was so open and that it, it did become a character because you have these characters kind of isolated in this area, but it's not just like isolated in some big home or some castle or something like that. It was, it was and even the nature of the film of Prey itself, you know, it being in the, the large open fields and the large open, you know, grounds that that took place and really did help you kind of feel that isolation. Um, and yeah, in, in Terror, like I just... I absolutely like the the house, the main kind of the main house that uh, kind of sets up the film, sets up the the events as as they go along. Really, uh, really did help, and especially with all the especially with all the glass and the, the, everything. So much so much glass inside <laughs> inside the rooms as well. <laughs> you know. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No. No. That is a beautiful location, actually. That that. Um, and I will tell you now, where if you ever get to see Satan's Slave. Mm. which is another one of my films that we actually shot two years before Terror, and we actually used the same location. In fact, the location was discovered on that film, and it was just so good, you know, really had to use it again. But you wouldn't, the nice thing about it is, if you see the other film, all right, you might recognize some of it, but it does feel like a completely different house again. 
which is coming back to my point about working on locations where I can, you know, you can actually get to do it in a different way, which is nice. And uh, yeah, so no, so I'm kind of um, praise you just mentioned. See, that was an interesting situation because the producer had done a deal with the studio, Shepherd and Studios, and um, you know, to be able to film there over a period of ten days. So, and we use what's called the old house as an old house at the studio on the, the back lot. Um, and they said we could use that. So it was interesting that this time we actually went to the studio, mm. but we were shooting as if we were on location because right. the house mm. actually existed. And uh, so that was an interesting situation. Also, <laughs> it, was, it was also empty. So, uh, and they said to our production designer, you, you can have complete access to the, uh, the props department but you can't ask for anything special. You just have to use what is available. So if you see prayer again, just keep this in mind how all the, all the rooms sort of have a different feel about them. I mean, the dining area is incredibly grand as sort of it's a lounge type area, but then you have a very small kitchen and quite a tiny bedroom. You know, it's, it's, it's quite an odd mix of, of sort of furnishings and, and sort of sizes. But it seems to work somehow, you know, even though you would think you're not actually in the same house. The grounds, of course, were of the back lot at the studio, so there was a lot of that, including that wonderful, dirty lake, the river that they had to go into <laughs> at one point. And, and that was really quite unpleasant for them. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. I felt, I, like, I felt, the, I felt the, uh, the grime of that lake, for sure. Oh, yeah, well, well the fact it's in slow motion, you really get to see it going into their mouth and everything. <laughs> yeah. And because, we and it, I mean, I actually think that sequence is too long. I mean, it works well, but, but the producer, Terry Marcel, fell in love with it when he saw the first cut, and he would never allow us to change it. So, <laughs> so it awesome. is the very first cut. That's, That's awesome. It, but, it, but yeah, yeah, I mean, most people enjoy it, but it, I'll be the first to say it goes on a little bit too long. <laughs> but, but, and see, that had good use of music on that, because that's got some good music and the... Uh, also threw in some voices as well, which, yeah. um, yeah, so it adds to it. It's just fantastic. These are both available on these just amazing, ver- uh, you know, transfers and, and packages from, from vinegar syndrome. Um, I wanted to go back to terror and I love it yes. when films open up with kind of not necessarily a movie within a movie, but even like a different time period. Cause I'm always, I love, uh, you know, uh, I love that you brought in the beginning of terror and we find out it's a film within a film, but that uh, yeah. that time period of the the witch hunts and <laughs> things like that. And as yeah. soon as it started, I kind of just eased back into my couch and I was like, oh, here we go. This is right at my, right at my alley. <laughs> I know very, it very hammer uh, hammer ish uh, yeah. in a well, sense. And then you find yeah. out, you know, then you get into the plot of the film after that segment. But um, sometimes I feel like those segments leave me wanting because the rest of the film doesn't you know, catch me like that opening did. Yeah. And I love that it kind of, it, it brought me through. Like there was never, I feel like, like I, met, I I saw an interview where you said you guys just sat down and thought of everything you would like to see in a, in a film, yeah. in this film. And yeah. you kind of tracked all that as you were writing the script and, and all right, and now how are we going to piece these together? And I think it just works wonderfully with a film like this. And, and especially with, was, was that uh, a function of being an independent feature and kind of having that freedom to kind of, you knew what you were going to be able to get in there? Or what, how did you guys Absolutely. approach the script? Yeah, I mean, that was it because, you know, you just hit it on there. Being completely independent, which we were, you know, we were self-financing, so we, had to, we didn't have to ask anybody else. And the other thing was the desire to, to make something different at that time. Um, 
and not being tied by a story that, um, you know, not having to stick to a story too too closely. So because the idea of putting everything we've liked in it is absolutely true. Yes, Les, the producer, and his wife, um, we sat down and just made a list, actually, of things that we liked in horror films. And and then we gave them to David McGilvoy, the writer, and he put it into the rough sort of story that you have in terror. But it really was the excuse just to put all our favorite bits in. <laughs> and that opening sequence, that, to be honest, is we was that, that was our homage to Hammer, as you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. You know, because we were, we'd really sort of taken over from Hammer, because Hammer was sort of finished by then. And uh, But, of course, they had made some classic films in the past that we were all influenced by when we were younger. So we wanted to sort of salute hammer there, and so that that it runs roughly ten minutes or so that bit you're talking about. Um, we tried to put in as many hammer ideas as we could into that, and it just packed them in. But it was good fun to do; it really was. And the other thing was the, the other thing I'll tell you, which was done at the time, we purposely didn't have, we didn't allow any front of house stills of that section to go outside the theatres. And it wasn't put in in any sort of synopsis of the story in, to do with the theatres. So audiences went in, you know, the, the young audiences were going in to see the movie thinking it was a modern day film. And of course, the film would start with the period um, and it went on for a little while. And it was quite, if you were in the theatre, that quite a few people were sort of talking to each other and wondering whether they've <laughs> actually got the right movie, you know. Which is quite nice. A it got a good, very good reaction when suddenly you realized it was a film within the film. Nice. I love it. It was just a great subversion of what we we're expecting. And it set a great tone of fun right at the beginning when you realize what's happening and you see the crew. Um, I, it really put me in like a great mindset for the rest of the film. That's good. I'm pleased you enjoyed all that. I mean, I'm <laughs> both of you. Yeah, that's really good. Did you get a chance to view the transfer? Uh, were you involved I in any of that? Yeah, I have. I've only just, I've only just seen Terror. Yes, I have. I have indeed. Yeah, and I'd seen Prey before that. Uh-huh. And um, yeah, I, I, I think Prey looks great. I'm really pleased about Prey. They're excellent. It really is. And um, um, with Terror, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. But I'm going to say I'm 99% rather than 100%. <laughs> only because, it's, <laughs> only because it, it suffers. Well. Because it suffers, which sometimes Blu-ray can, and that is, it's a little for me. Uh-huh. It's a little bit too bright. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, mm, that's which, interesting. Which results in a couple of scenes in it where it, you're seeing too much. It's too light. Um, right. I, I I think I know what you're talking about. They're involving a car through the trees. Oh, that one too. Yes, there's two bits <laughs> there where you actually just catch a glimpse of the driver, <laughs> which you shouldn't do. That's only because the scene is, is you know, it should have been slightly darker than mm. that. If you could see an original version of it, you'll find, you know, it is darker. And talking about this darkness is the important thing. It's when the girl, Susie, the one who has the car breakdown, this is the big red-headed herring scene where, mm-hmm. you know, she goes into the little cottage, in which the, it's a classic sort of horror situation where there's a thunderstorm and she finds a cottage where the door is always open, but nobody's in there. <laughs> and she makes the phone call, if you remember. Well, that that sequence, once again, when she goes into the house, is much too bright. As a result, when she's sort of running around and doing things with the torch, you know, the flashlight that she has, you, you don't actually wouldn't really need it because it's already bright enough to see. So that's what I meant. That, that it gotcha. needed just coming down a bit. Yeah, yeah. It, it's mainly, otherwise I was happy with it, but I suppose there's a few sequences that need 
should have been darker. Um, Very nice. And so I was a bit unhappy that they hadn't. I mean, I did point it out to them in a rough that they sent me, but somehow the, it didn't get through to the guys actually oh. doing the job for some reason. But, um, but otherwise, yeah, I mean, it, it's nice to see it all nice and clean. Yeah. Um, and no, yeah. no marks and things on it anymore. But. We're huge fans of this. I really think this is underseen that anyone should should check this out. And, and uh, you'll, you'll be you very, very much will be pleasantly surprised with with terror and uh, I because I had no idea what I was getting into when I, I I didn't look anything didn't look anything up didn't even look at a poster other than what's on the blu-ray cover didn't look up any uh any you know trailers and I, I really did have a blast with it so it's a tremendously fun film and uh, I really appreciate that you do take the time to do interviews for all these releases I think it's wonderful to have the perspective of the filmmakers um, and you know, people like us, we actually do pay attention to them and it, it does mean a lot to us. So that's, well, that's very kind of you. It's very kind of you. It's very kind of both of you to ask me and, and I'm, I'm more than happy to do it. I really am because you, you know, you please me by the fact that you're talking that you've discovered the films now and, uh, and what you were just saying about not looking into them first, I quite like the idea of you watching the film not knowing anything about it. I think that's a good way to do it. And, and I'm hoping now that lots of people in America like yourself will be able to see the film for the first time. Um, and it's, it's nice for me because it does mean that they're still continuing to meet, you know, reach another audience. Um, one, I mean, I'll now let you go, but I'll, I will say that I'm really just very proud of the films and, uh, and the others, which hopefully we'll get to see one day. You know, the fact that they are still out there and still being viewed in various parts of the world, which is, when you think how old they are, it's really quite a nice thing. And I think it says a lot for the horror genre as well. Yeah. How the long, the long life that it has, you know, which is, I think, is a good plus for all of us. Well, these ones in particular with Prey and Terror, I feel like they've, I feel like they've aged well. Like a lot, a lot of times you can kind of, you'll watch a movie from the seventies or even early eighties and it'll, it'll kind of be dated. But these ones, I feel like even, even with Prey, like with some of the topics that come up in the film, um, and in in the script and everything and things that come up, like, I feel like they age well and even resonate maybe even more now. I don't know. Like, like, I don't know, like, like. Yeah. And then with terror, with all the other giallos that I've seen and these types of films that I've seen, this really was a step above a lot of them that I've seen, and I really didn't enjoy it. So it's a, it's fun seeing films like this that do that do age like fine wines <laughs> or fine. Yeah, which is nice of you to say. I I can't think really why that could why yeah. it is so, but I think for instance with both films, but particularly say terror. Um, obviously, people are wearing clothes of the 70s, but we didn't actually, you know, never made, never made a conscious thing of saying we're in the 70s mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. we made the film. I mean, we saw, I think because we never put any emphasis on anything to do that would tie into that period, it's made, because I do know what you mean. I've seen other films from the 70s myself, and, and they do look very dated. They look so much of that time. But for some unknown reason, we managed to avoid that. But I can only think it's because we didn't actually think about it. You know, yeah. we just happened to be in it, the seventies making a film. You know? <laughs> right. It doesn't feel like it, well, you were beholden to any trends. And I think no, that exactly. No, That's right. We didn't say we must show this or have one of these because it's trendy at the moment. In fact, we never thought that way. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, um, as I said very quickly, I'll end on that because I, I do have a lot of people, young filmmakers, say to me. 
they would like to make a 70s type film. And I have to say to them, I can't give them an answer because my answer would be, you have to go back and make it in the 70s. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I wouldn't know how to make you know, a film for any other period unless you're actually an idiot. You know, so. <laughs> One last thing I will bring up and then uh, and then we'll wrap up here. But uh, if, if anything, watch uh, Terror for the strip club scene because that's probably one of the best uh, strip teases I've seen in a long time in a film. <laughs> well, we were so lucky. Yeah, I will well, quickly, I will tell you on that one. Well, we, yeah. we wanted to find a stripper, and the associate producer, Moira, and myself, and we went out to various places where they had strip acts, and we got very disheartened because they were all so corny, the same old routine over and over again. And, of course, the girls sort of did it every hour on the hour, so they would look very bored, and they were just so dull that we were quite disheartened. You know, we thought, oh, we're never going to find one. So we rang an agency that had, you know, dealt with them. And they sent this girl, Tanya, her name was. And as soon as she walked in to see us, we, without seeing her routine, we said, yeah, definitely. Because she had such an attitude and the way she looked, she, she just looked so different. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and when, when we came to film that sequence, I can tell you, at the, you know, I said to her, now, can we see your routine? And she did it. And we had, you know, we had some extras there and the other artists and things and the crew. And at the end, everybody didn't know what to say because I played it was so obscene. Her act was so <laughs> obscene. And I, I didn't know what to say to her. I just said, well, that's very good, but it was too long. Can you make it shorter? You know? So she cut it down. And in the editing, we just removed all the stuff we knew and we'd never get past anybody. Because I tell you, it really was way over the top. But um, but she had such... I mean, but it's still effect. What you see in the film is still very effective. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I think if you watch it again, remembering what I was saying, how I've seen it got, <laughs> if you look at the way she's doing things, I think you can use your imagination for the rest yeah. of it. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a very uh, kind of anarch- uh, anarchist kind of punk rock, uh, like, you know, yes. uh, routine. I feel like yes. Brian De Palma will probably appreciates that. I think so, yeah. And I know I thought the scene did work well and uh, with her and and the club itself. We, yeah. It was a really seedy nightclub, that, and and, uh, and when you, I can tell you, when we went in in the morning, we worked in the morning. It looked very rough, you know. <laughs> what you you wouldn't see that if you were there in the evening because it'd be too dark. But right. When all the lights are on when you arrive, I can tell you, then you realise it's not a place you'd really want to spend time, yeah. you know. I've been to a place like that in Detroit, uh, Michigan, one time, and we went in during the day. And I can I can tell you, yeah, try yes. try to never walk into a place like that during the daytime. <laughs> the no, night, the, the lights help. Fr- that's right. And also, I mean, I just wonder if you remember the, the glasses, you know, that the drinks were in. I mean, they were all ready for the evening, but you know, they didn't really look whether they'd been washed properly. They really didn't. Oh, no. so many marks on them. You know, still old lipstick stains and things like that. <laughs> Quite alarming. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. All right. Well, Mr. Norman J. Warren, thank you so much for taking the time and, and speaking with us today. Really uh, enjoy talking with you, and, and we really enjoy uh, the movies we've seen so far. So we'll, I, I definitely have a deep dive to go into to check out some more of your, your films. I'm hoping some more uh, get the, the treatment that Vinegar Syndrome has given these these especially. So uh, just thank you well, so I much. So. I believe they are that they're due for it, I believe. So let's hope that they continue to do so. And well, thank you once again. You know, it's been a pleasure for me too. So thank you both. Thank you. It's an honor.
let's talk about terror. Everybody. Yeah, you can wake me up when you're done with that. Oh, come on. Come Same on. Same thing as uh, you can wake me up after Prey, too. Oh, my God. Okay. So uh, we know that... That uh, Mr. Mr. Norman Warren uh, is listening to this right now, and uh, we do not endorse Brad's statements right we now. We do not endorse at all. <laughs> uh, anyway, let's talk about Tara. We know we we Tara, just spent. Fine. You guys, fine. <laughs> you guys just spent a lot of time listening to us talk about uh, talk about Tara, about the plot and everything like that. We're not going to jump into all all that because <sighs> everyone just listened to all that. And unless Brad has anything else he would like to say about terror i'm a fan of this and i had a lot of fun with terror and it was one of those that uh i was excited to discover and i liked the you know that i liked that he was inspired by suspiria and i saw that in spades on this movie and that made it a lot of fun so uh if you're a fan of these types of movies i would highly recommend terror uh brad do you have any thoughts on terror uh any? Well, um, I is it a giallo? <laughs> no, not there was a conversation at all. today about Suspiria being the a giallo. giallo it's, it's, it's not. It's a, a giallo. giallo. Like <laughs> is it a giallo? <laughs> yeah, I figure there's a giallo. Yeah, giallo mold. Yeah, you got some, you some, yeah, make sure you put some fruit in that giallo mold. Yeah, Mark, <laughs> you watching another Giallo film? I heard Make sure you put that in the fridge yellow. so it doesn't get all melty. So this is my second time watching um, Tear. Um, yeah, I, I do like it better than Prey. I really don't like Prey. Um, I like aspects of Prey, but uh, both films, I, I gave a second chance. I watched Prey and Tear you know, years and years ago. And I was like, when they announced them, I was like, eh, I wish we had the prey rather than prey, but oh, well. <laughs> um, so I, I rewatched prey. I still didn't like it. Terror. It kind of grew on me a little bit more, but it's still, I feel it's just very bland. Um, I, I think it is a unique it's not, I think it is a unique film in a way, uh, as far as like how it's presented, but I just, I can't, I can't get into it. All right. Okay. Anyway, jeez, what a buzzkill. Mate. Sorry. What a buzzkill Brad is. You, you can like, you can like the movie. You can like the movie. <laughs> All right. Uh, moving along. Unless Stephanie, I mean Stephanie, you and I talked quite a bit about terror in the interview. Um, I don't know if unless you yeah, have anything you else you'd like said, to. Yeah, you still said I like terror. You did your whole thing. Yes, if you if you <laughs> enjoy British slashers uh, with a little personality to them, you'll dig terror. And yeah, I'm done. I okay. like it. It's, it's 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 a little batshit crazy thing. It's uh you know it's 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 vinegar it's syndrome. Fun. It's disappointing when it's not batshit. Yeah. Well, let's talk about a film uh, about that makes that makes fishing look scary. I'm talking about 1986's Bloodhook. Brad, you're, scrat you're scratching, scratching the microphone with your freaking, freaking beard. My beard. Shave your beard right now. 
So my oh, my beard is even close to the microphone. Bro. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. All right, uh, Bloodhook baby, Bloodhook probably has one of the best covers I've seen in Vinegar Syndrome release history. Uh, the, not, I'm not talking. About, I mean, the slipcover is pretty damn cool too. Um, let me try. The, the slipcover is pretty good, but I'm talking about the the regular one. What happened? What happened to my to my screen? I can't even click back. Um, I'm talking about the one with the woman the hook. getting hooked out of the water. <laughs> uh, pretty damn cool cover. I'm a fan. Hold on, I gotta find my space place again. Um, but uh, but this thing is a two hour slasher. About a killer fisherman. Uh, mm. With some great performances in it. I had a lot of fun. Uh, here's what I think about Bloodhook. And h- hang with me here. I know that I I'm, was met with some opposition online. You don't like Musky Madness? Musky Madness you is got, fine. Musky Madness is fine. I feel like Thank there you. is a good 90 minute slasher in this two hour slasher. Um that I enjoyed for the most part, but I feel like there's about 30 minutes of it that kind of dragged, and I feel like a re-edit could basically make this pop uh, and make this fuck a little more. What do you guys think? Well, you probably need to watch, um, I think, what Troma released on DVD back in the day. Hmm. Because I think that movie is shorter but is it, is it a remix edition about a movie about so, fishing <laughs> <laughs> so this was this was um this now this doesn't strike me as a trauma film as far as like what i'm used to seeing on trauma films this looks like one of the ones that i mean they did had they acquired. just release it i'm assuming or? this is one that they no, acquired like, and released yes yeah full trauma no this is a full trauma is movie. it okay yeah. okay well this is a good one uh, directed by Jim Mallon. By those standards, this is fabulous. <laughs> it's the best movie I've ever seen. Yeah, that that kind of changes this for me. It's pretty amazing. Oh my god! Um, I had, for the most part, a lot of fun with it. I, I did like movie the. I, liked. Uh, <laughs> I did like a lot of the characters, um, and uh, especially the guy that puts the uh, the the hook thing in his ear. Uh, that 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 guy was funny. But uh, what are you guys' thoughts on <laughs> Bloodhook? <laughs> well, okay, about the link. Here's a fun fact about me. I like fishing. Okay. I've never fished for muskie. I don't really think that's a West Coast fish. Uh, <laughs> but I could appreciate it. And the whole thing about fishing is it's about taking your time. Mm-hmm. It's about relaxing and just letting nature do its thing around you. Okay. Okay. And Bloodhook is nature. Mm, and the running time is, is its thing that it's doing around you. So I once you don't take think that, that was fishing, the thing that was in. No, I'm pretty thought. sure it was. And so if you <laughs> take that fishing ethos into your heart, I, I think you can maybe find a new appreciation about its pacing. Uh, but beyond that, uh, I was really excited to see it because. Like you two, I'm a huge Mystery Science Theater 3000 fan. And uh, even though the director, Jim Malone, is a behind-the-scenes guy directing the movie, um, I was like, okay, there's going to be a sense of humor. What? Malone. 
Mallon. Oh, Mallon. I'm a huge fan. I can't pronounce this. Name. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the club. I do. I, I do this way I more than you, Stephanie. It's your fault. I just, I, I just let you do it enough that <laughs> I think you're people. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it does have a great sense of humor, but I am a sucker for slashers, and I think it definitely delivers on that level. Um, yeah, it's not perfect, but it's a really fun slasher. I, I loved it. Yeah, awesome. No, it's it's fun. You get you get exactly what you think this movie is going to be based off the cover. And even the VHS cover is even better because <laughs> it has that kind of 80 cartoony look to it. You know what I mean? How they do these those covers. So the, the, the quote on the VHS says it's America's funniest and most frightening terror hit. Did you guys think it was funny? Yes. Yeah. In like a really sweet folksy kind of yeah. way. Yeah. I think it's funny in a trauma sense. What tra- like when trauma was actually had some funny comedy at times. Uh-huh. Like this is one of those that actually got a little bit of laughs from me, just because of how and honestly, like how ridiculous it is. See, the VHS was eighty five minutes, so they added a lot back into this film. I'm, I'm interested in seeing kind of the differences. Do they include the that's VHS cut. Uh, I don't think so, but that's what I'm saying. I think. Whatever was released by Tromon DVD or VHS, huh. it's uh, substantially shorter. Interesting. Yeah, wonder, I'm, I'm so curious. I'm, I love seeing the differences between extended cuts and then theatrical cuts. I'm, yeah, this one, I like, mean, such I, a lot. A lot was taken out. I wonder what. I, want, I mean, I wonder if it was that like, good character building stuff, or if it was just a lot of just you know meandering. No, it was a lot. Of, yeah, it was a lot of the like the dreamy sequences. I think a couple of the deaths were cut because i mean i saw the vhs i saw the movie a couple times when i was younger and uh i just recently got rid of my tape and um how much did you get um <laughs> like 20 25 bucks i think yeah, it's not bad at least yeah. pays for the blu-ray yeah i sold star time for 40 which Man. is good i just sold extra for 50 what yeah yeah <laughs> That's Guys, if you're going to buy from Brad, see if there's any Blu-ray announcements. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Don't, you'd don't think, tell them that. You'd think don't these things would check. Uh, don't tell them. No, awesome. I, I, I sold the Ghostbusters like the other day for three. Three bucks. Because people just, people are dumb. They like this analog shit of movies that are on Blu-ray. I just don't get it. I have them because it's movies that aren't released on DVD or Blu-ray. And then I get rid of them. I don't want to watch that afterwards, you know. I still love tapes, but I don't want to watch. I want to watch something, you know, as close as that you couldn't get to the theater, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I, I remember I, it did like when I first watched Bloodhook on the Blu-ray. I uh, I was like, man, this feels different. And then I looked at the back of the tape and I was like, ah, that's why. This movie seems a lot longer than it used to be. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's it, it's still fun. I mean, I do agree that it runs runs a little bit longer um, than before. I, I forget actually how long. it. Like, I don't know how many more minutes are, are in. I, I think the director's... I don't know if that's the director's cut, but um, I, I, I do know that it existed before that and it was known that the movie 
uh, had that cut, but I can't. I don't know if it was ever released. Yeah, all that. it says is never released domestically in its original version. Doesn't say director's cut or anything. Okay. I mean, the director's cut might be the 85 minute version. I don't know. So, but anyways, yeah, it's I. I've always enjoyed it. I thought it was kind of goofy and fun. Um, one of the few, 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 few trauma films I enjoy that they actually produced and had their hands in. Um, most, I guess I hate that shit. I always get fucking hit on that. I say something about a movie and they're like, that's a trauma movie. You like it. And it's like, no, 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 no. Trauma had nothing to do with this shit. Like, wait, can I ask you something? Yeah. With trauma, um, have you ever seen their like behind the scenes documentaries? Like farts of darkness, or any of those? Um, I've seen something. I can't. I, it definitely wasn't farts of darkness because I would have remembered that. <laughs> um, All the love I mean, you can. I actually love their behind the scenes documentaries. I think it's like some of the best movies they've ever made. Yeah, m- my stuff with like vinegar syndrome is more like it's not about the movies, like per se. I like. I here's the thing is that I enjoy when trauma like very first started up in very few movies, like after they hit it big. Um, it was films that they started making like in the nineties, like late nineties still today where they still have that. Oh, this is awful. Like that's how they promote their movies. And I, 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 yeah. I have a strong distaste for that. They're like, this is the worst movie you'll ever see. Like, like Lloyd full Hoffman. moon a little bit. Well, not even that. Like, at least Charles Band is proud of what they have in their catalog. But Lloyd Kaufman promotes movies on how bad he thinks they are. And it's like, oh, man, no one wanted this movie, but we got it. And it's like, dude, shut the fuck up. Like, you know, what if that director really thought what they did was great? And um, the whole like the whole behind the scenes thing with Father's Day, I still cannot believe Astron Six didn't release that documentary that they were going to release. Um, so, I mean, if you don't know the story about Father's Day, fucking Troma totally fucked hard over uh, Astron Six on that. I mean, it's just a f- terrible, terrible thing they did. Uh, Marcus Cook, who did the special effects for We Are Still Here. He got screwed over hardcore by Lloyd Cobb. And a lot of people that I know that has worked for Troma um, has it's extremely bad business. Oh, that that's an interesting thing about those documentaries, because they show all of that. They show people not getting paid enough. They show them having to stay around for nonsense for like 20 hours, getting paid nothing. And it. I think it's it's like you say, like being proud of a crappy movie. They're almost proud of the shitty shooting conditions and how they yeah, like, treat people like, just yeah, their shitty business model. Like, um, it's just it's just really, and that just makes me hate it even more. Um, but I mean, I don't hate the movies that obviously they um, because they did a good thing. They bought catalogs of movies and they re-released them um on on their label but they gave them like fucking awful covers and new titles um except for dead dudes in the house i thought dead dudes in the house was pretty much one of the best titles of any (laughs) movie and i vinegar syndrome is releasing that soon and that movie is hilarious um take out the villain and when you watch the movie 
there's a there's villain like there's something going on in the movie but actually look at how many problems they have with opening doors <laughs> in that movie the doors are the real villains in dead dudes in the house but anyways i i really enjoyed blood hook and if you enjoy the special features on blood hook you're welcome oh so what does that mean <laughs> well i mean, um i got uh Can you talk jim about allen yeah, yeah, I got, yeah. Um, I got, I got um, uh, Jim, Jim Mallon. Um, I was able to locate him. Um, I was uh, able to locate uh, Lisa, uh, Lisa Todd, which she is just, um, she was just so nice. I've, I've, uh, like, she was just a great person and really, really fun to talk to. Um, and then also, uh, Marsha Cam, who was a cinematographer. Um, I, if you want to hear some really fun stories, I can tell them. So anyways, I'll tell them. All right. So, um, <laughs> Br- Brandon, Brandon, uh, you know, he's like, you know, if you, you want to help out on this movie, you can, you know, cause I, I help out with certain things, uh, over at vinegar syndrome. Um, so Brandon asked me to be, you know, help, help out with this one cause they were having, I guess, a little trouble. So anyways, um, they were having a hard time contacting Jim Mallon. They had an email address, and they emailed him, but nothing nothing back. And so they said they really wanted him. So I have my ways of searching for people online and finding phone numbers. So I called Jim on his cell phone, and I was like, hey, man, um, this, is, this is Brad. I'm working for Vinegar Syndrome on this title. And he's like, Oh, he's like, you guys keep emailing me. I was like, yeah, man, answer the fucking email. <laughs> and so he was like, okay, I'll email, I'll email this Brandon guy back right now. And that's kind of how that works. Um, uh, Lisa Todd was uh, was great. She she was listed on IMDb uh, with her agent. And so I I called her agent and I said, hey, you know, this is the deal. Um, and she's like, well, how much? And I was like, nothing. <laughs> I was like, she already did the movie. Like, we're just asking for special features. And, and she was like, yeah, well, just give me your email address. So I'm like, okay, well, this is a lost cause. Well, like, 15 minutes later, I get a call from Lisa Todd. And, and she's like, oh, my God, I can't. I can't. I, I, I love doing this movie. She's like, I love Jim. I love everything. She's like, I want to do this. And I mean, obviously, you don't have to pay me because it's just special. But she was just so excited. And she did a really good job on the interview, too. She's very, such a sweet lady. Uh, very happy to do that. And um, the other funny one was uh, Marsha Cam. So anyways, Marsha Cam is like more of a prolific cinematographer, like big time, like documentaries and stuff like that now. And so it was really difficult to find her. Uh, we had an uh, email, but it, it wasn't, you know, it didn't seem like it was going through like it was valid anymore. So I look to see, you know, who she was working with recently. So she worked on like these three documentaries for this same, like this one director. I was like, okay, that's cool. I'll just contact him if I can find him and just say, Hey, you worked with Marsha cam, you know, can you put me in touch? So I contact this guy. Right. And, um, I was just like, Hey, you know, um, do, do you happen to know, or do you happen to have the contact for Marsha camp? Still? I know you guys worked on like three documentaries years ago. And, um, he said, what is this about? And I was like, uh, okay. It was like, 
you know, and this is the deal, you know, Vinegar Syndrome wants to have hers, you know, uh, audio commentary, something, you know, anything. And he goes, well, when you contact people, maybe you should introduce yourself first. <laughs> and um, I said, well, I apologize. You know, I'm sorry about that. Um, I was like, I was like, and he was like, I'll send her a message and I'll see what I can do. And I was like, all right, cool, cool. You know, I was very polite. I was like, okay, you know, this guy's a little, eh, whatever. But, you know, I'm representing, you know, vinegar syndrome. I'm not going to fucking say anything, you know, bad to embellish anything. And plus, we want this fucking interview. So I get a message back, like, I don't know, five minutes later, where it's just, I contacted Marsha, I forwarded your email. Please do not contact me again. And then he fucking blocks me. No. <laughs> I was like, why does this guy have such uh. a strong steam for me? Like, what? Like, did I really upset this guy? Way to go, just Brad. For, just for reaching out. Well, anyway, she contacted and she, you know, at first, you know, being that she was so quiet and it was so cold of a response from him, I figured like she didn't want to be part of Bloodhook anymore. You know, because of her, where her career has went. I mean, she's won a few awards. Like she's she's pr- pretty prominent cinematographer with with docs and stuff. So I just said maybe she didn't want to be dealt with it anymore. But no, she was she was really happy. She did a long interview um, uh, for 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 the special features. It was just audio. It was no no video. But um, still, it was just it was just a fun ride with those three interactions. Man, so three different re- interactions with three different people. That all still worked out, you know. It all came together, but it was just really, really <laughs> funny. Um, Jim was very intimidating, though, when speaking to him. Like he's, like uh, you know, I, I felt like he had just had that tone, right, where I was in, like, shouldn't have called him. <laughs> which it was really funny that I just had it. Like I found his cell phone online, and um, not that it's an easy thing to do or anything. So don't call Jim. Um, <laughs> please don't call. But please don't call Jim. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, actually, do that until until the Brad Henderson sent you. <laughs> no, no, don't do that. That'd be bad. Uh, would you? <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, all right. Continue the movies. That's all right. Um, that's, all right. Well, that's, that's Blood Hook. Like I said, uh, you know, a lot of fun. And I'd, I'd be, I mean, I'd be interested in checking out the uh, the shorter cut myself. But uh, it sounds like a strong record recommendation from us all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I agree. I think it's, it'll be a crowd pleaser. Let's. It's got move. Brad all over it. <laughs> yep, it's got my name in the special thanks. So you're welcome. Does it? Where's the special? I'm gonna look right now. Where's the special thanks? I'm looking right now. Special thanks. I don't. It's see not in the booklet. It's on thanks. the special. It's on the um, credits. I don't see any special thanks on the interviews. Okay, Are you fine. listening to me? It's on the yeah, special, yeah, I'm just, I'm just, it's I'm on just the giving credits you shit. Of the interview. Uh, let's talk about 1989's. Is it 89? Or 84. 84. 84. Okay, look. Blu-ray.com, you guys suck. All of your dates have been wrong. I'm going back to IMDb. Uh, Jesus. Bloodsuckers from Outer Space from 1984. This is directed by Glenn Coburn. Who, uh... Wow, you're really Didn't really do much after that. But uh, this one, this felt like, uh, like you know how Brad, you and Mike Delaney have been doing, I think of it, maybe, maybe not for a while, but the SOV, P-O-D-T-H-E podcast. 
Yeah. Um, this felt like this could have been very much so a SOV type film. It definitely feels homegrown. Um, it feels very low budget, but, uh, but goddamn, if I, if, if I did not have a ton of fun with this flick, uh, very, you know, very basic, right? Uh, people start turning into zombies and this kid has to get away from them for high school. No, they start turning into blood suckers from outer <laughs> space. Great theme song in this movie. Oh, man. That has um, to be noted. Great little flick. Had a lot of fun. Has a really good sense of humor about itself. And not like, I don't know, like it was charming. You know, you know, I really had a good, and a lot of times if I see a film like this and they're, they're trying to be too funny, especially if it's something like very homegrown, I kind of like, I'll, I'll kind of see through that and, and get annoyed and not really get into it. This thing, uh, they definitely, they definitely like kind of skated the line and they kept it charming. And uh, I'm curious what you guys thought of Bloodsuckers from Outer Space. Is this the marijuana thing? <laughs> Are they like uh, dusting no. for like marijuana crops? All right, so I that's think toxic. So. That's a movie called Toxic Zombies. Then this is just um, as they're bloodsuckers from outer space, and there's. Uh, I could talk about toxic zombies <laughs> for an hour. Okay, but, but toxic that's I can't good. because that's not the movie that we're covering. <laughs> I haven't really seen. I haven't oh, wait. seen bloodsuckers. Yeah, from you outer didn't. Space you told me you didn't. You didn't get to. Sorry, I, yeah. I was going to say. Yeah, he this one out. to very, us. Oh. Very little. But um, yeah, so I can't speak on behalf of it because I honestly, I I know I've seen it, but I do not remember it. Okay, I'm sorry. I, I meant to, to to send this question Stephanie's way. Uh, sorry for leaving leaving it open. Stephanie, what did you think of Bloodsuckers from Outer Space? Oh, I loved it. Um, again, this is when I heard some people saying like, "Oh, it's stupid," and <laughs> no, it's fucking hilarious. Now I'm a cheese ball. I'll mm-hmm. admit that. But um, it has almost every kind of uh, humor in this. It breaks the fourth wall. It turns right to the camera and talks to you. <laughs> uh, it has slapstick. It has wordplay. Um, oh, one of my favorite lines was they're, they're going up to a potentially scary scenario. And they say, damn, that incidental music's scary. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it was like, it's, it's, it's like something straight out of Airplane. It was straight up. Yeah parody uh th- yeah there's some things in this that you would feel at home in like an airplane film or a naked gun film uh but somehow it all works yeah no it, it's pretty spoofy and there's one scene where they go outside and she's like i'm not going out there there's a barren wasteland out there and the the next scene <laughs> i was expecting a guy to be dressing all fancy say how dare you? I'm Baron Wasteland. And it doesn't happen. Oh, but man. 100% expected that to happen. It's that kind of movie. So if you like silly horror comedies, um, that I, I think it's like their first movie out of film <clears throat> school that they did an entire movie of, uh, this will definitely be up your alley. If you're a very serious person, you don't have time for nonsense, you won't dig that. This is pure nonsense. Pure, yeah, pure nonsense. Pure. I mean, it is almost it is almost parody of these uh, types of films. Uh, it's, it's exactly, I mean, if you look at that cover, uh, especially like there's a Shriek Show cover that's on IMDb here. That's exactly uh, what you're going to get. 
Uh, no, that these the same picture on uh, on the on the Blu-ray as well. So uh, yeah, definitely you know what you're gonna get. Um, a lot of fun to be had, and this is something you can probably not like young young kids, but you can probably like maybe your nine or ten year old kids can maybe you can maybe accidentally leave it by the player and they can put it in and watch it. Yeah, uh, they're curious. You know, about it's, it, it's kind of a good little introduction. Kind of doesn't take itself seriously. And especially, uh, I don't know, uh, it just, I don't think there's anything too tantalizing. Uh, no, the sex it. scene, it's, they're off camera and they yeah. do like sound effects. <laughs> yeah, very, yeah, I mean, there's a few horror gags, like an arm getting ripped off and stuff like that. But it's just, it's, I mean, at the, at this, you know, kids these days, they know what zombies are. They've seen it all. They're watching The Walking Dead, uh, you know. With the hula hoops and they're disemboweling <laughs> on prime time. What's fun about this one is it does have a really good making of documentary on it. Um, and it's, I mean, this, like, since this was kind of a local thing, like, this is one of those things, it looks like, you know, they, everyone and who's, who knew everyone got involved with this film. So it's almost an hour long documentary on the making of it. And, uh, and it's, it's pretty fun to watch. And there's also a couple of little featurettes, but I was really pleased to see like that uh, special feature on there. Did you watch any of the special features on this, Stephanie? Um, I did watch the making of documentary you're talking about. It's mm-hmm. called 34 Years Later. And yeah, it, it's great. Even like, let's say maybe the movie wasn't completely to your taste. If you're interested in like very low budget filmmaking, mm-hmm. uh, they go pretty in depth with how they pulled everything off. So yeah. that was cool. And uh, I haven't listened to it, but there is a commentary as well. Fantastic. So, yeah. So, uh, I mean, I had a lot of fun with this. But, yeah, it definitely is a goofy uh, horror sci-fi-ish type uh, type film. 80, you know, it's it's a quick 82 minutes. Brad probably would still hate it. Maybe. What, wait. If what, you like wait, Return what? of the Killer Tomatoes, you'll probably uh, Okay. That. That's probably a good comparison. Not so, as goofy as Attack of Killer Tomatoes. Wait, but, wait, you know. wait, wait, wait. Why, why would I What about the scene? The scene with <laughs> well, the nuclear bomb. No, 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 no. no. Okay, let's okay. let's okay. jump to why Brad would hate. This. <laughs> I'm just giving you shit, man. <laughs> well, I, I mean, truth comes from somewhere. Because you're 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 serious and hardcore, dude. One of my favorite movies <laughs> of all time is Return of the Killer Tomatoes. So you just right. actually then you, me into then actually you might actually like this. Well, I did actually. Don't right. And yeah, I, yeah, no, I enjoy did. like spoofy horror films. I just watched, um, uh, rewatched uh, Student Bodies with Willow um, <laughs> last week, and and I've I you know Willow tries to be like really tough and dark, but she got to belly laugh. Okay. And and Student Bodies, which made me even laugh more. And it's that scene whenever she goes to the counselor and the counselor is like rearranging everything in his uh, office and he's making it like cockeyed and stuff. But right before that, he pushes his chair away from his desk violently and he slams into the wall, but he slams in the wall so fucking hard that it looks like the actor didn't mean for it to happen. And it's just... I, I've never heard that kid laugh that hard in comedy before. But anyways, 
that that movie's still hilarious. It's awesome. it's a it's a total clusterfuck at times. But yeah, I I enjoy okay. spoofy movies. Well, Brad, I, you know what? I would say you check this out. I think I think I'm you like this. I, yeah. I own it. I I will okay. I will watch it. Okay. Um, I didn't know we were covering it on this episode, or I would have watched it. Um, but I'm gonna watch it this weekend, and then I'm gonna send you a mean fucking text. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> All right, it's fine. gonna be really mean. No, do a recording so he yeah, can yeah. Add send me a te- send me an audio text, please. Yeah. <laughs> All right, <laughs> let's keep things moving along. We're gonna talk about uh, Blue Vengeance in just a second, but a funny thing happened. I need to tell a little story. Uh, <clears throat> that James from uh, from Vinegar Syndrome. So they they'll send us things when they can for us to cover on the show, and uh, he knows not to include the uh, pornography uh, in my in my uh, my package. And uh, I get a package, and I had it's um I can't remember what came with what, but it was supposed to be Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song, and then what other what other ones came in that package? Does anyone know the? I think it was Terror. What was the blood? No, Sweetback was Bloodsuckers. Okay, so Bloodsuckers right? and Sweetback. Okay, so I get yeah. I get Sweetback, Bloodsuckers, and I get one other movie called... No, I don't get Sweetback. I get Bloodsuckers, and I get her name was Lisa. Yeah, which is... And, uh, and uh, I... I I was oh this just looks like a little exploitation film I guess I'll and I and I hit James James up and I said hey can you send me sweet sweet back and he said oh my mistake but you told me you didn't like sex so I didn't send you sweet sweet back um you don't like sex yeah he goes you don't like sex so I I just why I didn't include it in the package and I was like oh okay fine and so I, I pop in her name was Lisa and immediately I open up the the case and I see the first the first quote I see when I take out the disc says full erection 100% finally a film I can rave about ironically stupendous uh from Hustler magazine I was like oh I was like huh okay the I was like but you know they they're not supposed they don't send me this stuff so so I put this so I put the movie in and of course you know 10 minutes in uh there is uh full on uh maybe even less I don't know all I know so, is, uh, well, this is a porno. Well, you're going to send you a package. And uh, yeah. I, no, I, just, <laughs> I just started cracking up because I, I guarantee nervous you, I think James did that on purpose. I think I'm, nervous I need to laughter? ask him. <laughs> yeah. So what's funny though is that you, like, to me, I think it's funny that like Vanessa Del Rio's like name is like plastered on the front. I don't I have no idea but who you the don't names have no are. idea who that is. I have no idea. <laughs> oh okay. that made me think with Emma May, if you wanna look that up on Google, make sure you write Emma May movie or the year it came out, because apparently there is an adult <laughs> actress named Emma May who's oh, nice. very popular. Well, <laughs> oh yeah. I, I yeah, did yeah. I did want to mention but I did want to uh yeah. And I, I I'm sure I didn't even think about that. It is Roger Watkins who did Corruption and who did Last House on Dead End Street. So this isn't your normal yeah. adult film because this the premise of it is, you know, that basically an actress pretty good uh, is found dead of a heroin overdose. And it's basically they go to the funeral and, and they're memorializing her and basically talking about these stories about her. And it's like it's like the most bad shit crazy uh, setup for a film you can have Uh and so if so like most like like corruption is it's a little different than your normal uh you know uh a skin flick. So if you're into that uh if you liked corruption you probably would dig this. I didn't finish watching yeah. it. Uh it's like my door was <laughs> my door was open and my wife is in the other room watching like 
the bachelor and or something like that. that. And my so. kids were in the other room. I was like, I better turn this off <laughs> and not finish watching this. But I, oh I, God, they're doing the dirty. They're doing the dirty. I got a it's, fast. It's, it's, not, not, it's not, not in this we've, house. We've talked about this before. It's not that I'm prude. It's about this other circumstances. <laughs> Dick Van Dyke show over at Sean's house. Yeah, there's other circumstances that kind of <laughs> having this stuff around. Would no toilet in the bathroom. <laughs> Single, oh, single beds tripping over the fucking furniture. Single beds. <laughs> yeah, it's a, like old fucking TV show. <laughs> no, like Brady Bunch bathroom. There's no toilet, and there's only one bathroom. That's hilarious. I never yeah. noticed that. That's hilarious. Yeah, because they weren't allowed yeah, to like, yeah. show that shit. I know yeah. that's crazy. Anyway, um, but. I, I, I know enough to recognize that this is probably if you're if if you collect these signals if you like corruption I def- guarantee you uh, no it's a good it's a good it's that. a good movie <clears throat> yeah. like it it actually has like you know some time and I mean they got Vanessa Del Rio to be in it which she was a pretty big time star at the time but yeah taking on a more serious approach you know um, Roger Watkins is like old school Axel Braun like yeah actually trying to bring a story into yeah. you know what they were doing and, and sure, like i said, sure like I've said before braun is though do you i have no idea i'm just saying yeah uh like i said before i, I can BJ respect knows. i can respect a film that does that uh as as of course uh, i did cover corruption on uh on one of the early vinegar syndrome episodes that's that movie is great man this cinematography was you know what there, there's 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 two that we've covered that I can really like stand behind and be like, look, these are actually interesting films, corruption and uh, sex world. Like those two films have a lot, like yeah. they actually have things to say and sex world, especially like that movie has, a, there's a lot of subtext to that film. And that actually makes it a, an interesting film and something, there's even stuff like to think about with the plot of that film and in the scenarios, like it's actually, uh, I, I can, re- I can respect that it does that. So I'm um, telling you, man, next time Jen's out, uh, like on vacation and the kids are out mm-hmm. hot and saucy pizza girls. I, Oh, and, did oh, I, we covered oh, that. <laughs> I actually, uh, I actually took, gave that a watch, Brad. You didn't, you must not have heard our last episode. Uh, but yeah, did, it was us trying to giggle through the golden I did age give, of our <laughs> <laughs> I did give hot and saucy pizza girls a watch is all right. Oh. Okay, let's move on to the next. It's okay, I'm I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's jump into. Uh, I'm glad the, I wasn't on that episode. I was fucking fit. Well, I'm glad you weren't too. <laughs> the last disc we'll talk about. Uh, this is a film called Blue Vengeance from 1989. It's awesome. I would say, Brad, Blue Vengeance has just catapulted to the top of my heavy metal horror list would you consider this a heavy metal horror film yes and no hmm okay um yes in the sense of like it is a horror film but it also you know it's it's one of those things because we're up for like people always do this like debate now, like there's a psychological <laughs> thriller or something like that, which I get annoyed by it, but I don't look at like, I don't look at blue vengeance as, as a horror film. And this is probably why is that this was like the cover that I've always seen in the drama section 
Oh, really? And huh. and um, like whenever I was little, and we had, I, I just remember that cover because it was really bland. It was like a cop, like mm-hmm. like a silhouette of a cop, like holding a gun with like this big badge on the front, and it was like everything looked like faded. And I don't know. If, I don't know if it was because the bees were facing the uh, windows, and usually in video stores when that happened, they were really you know. The, the tapes got, you know, uh, sun, 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 like light damage, you know, they'd get faded and shit. And I don't know if it was because of that, but I just always remember seeing it and never, ever renting it um, just because it looked boring from the, even the front cover. I mean, you wanted stuff with like, you know, weird shit on the front, you know, or like Frankenhooker. We pressed the button and said, <laughs> want a date or something like that, or the dead pit cover that eyes glowed. Well, it's something cool, you know. So the front cover, ne- like the cover, never got me. And marketing um, misfire for sure. Yeah, and it was just uh, I. I need to look up just the the cover to get a better visual. That's what I remember. Um, I'm pretty sure it was the VHS cover for for the U.S. But anyways, um, it wasn't until like maybe a couple years of searching in the video store. I think my grandmother. Uh, like, cause it was a video time. You'd pick up these tickets, um, and take them to the counter. You didn't take the tape or anything. You just, they have these tickets like on nails, uh, like a little hook, like a tag. And you take that and they would give you the tape. Um, and I remember seeing the title blue vengeance and, um, I was like, oh man, that's that movie that has that cover. Like, hopefully there's just boobs in it or something that will get me through the <clears throat> watching of it. And um, that's how I was when I was a little man. A movie bored me as long as it had boobs in it, I'd be all right. Um, and I remember watching it and then thinking, this is nothing like what this cover looks like. This is kind of nutty. And I totally forgot about the movie. Like, it completely, like, I watched it and I was surprised that it wasn't, like, super boring and, like, a slow, like, two moon junction drama, um, which. Two Moon Junction's pretty good when she, once you grow up. Um, Stephanie, have you seen Two Moon Junction? Uh, with Charlene Fenn? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You like it? Yes. That seems like a Stephanie movie. But anyways, <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I remember watching it when I was little thinking, just, oh, this is fucking boring shit. And I grew up and I really ended up liking Two, two Moon Junction. But um, I just thought it was going to be something like that, and it wasn't. And I think it wasn't until it was announced, I was like, oh, Blue Vengeance, what is that? And then I watched the trailer and I was like, oh, shit, I remember that. And I rewatched it and I thoroughly enjoyed the film. I thought it was really good. Um, but I think maybe that's why I don't consider it heavy metal horror. Um, but it should be, you know, because, I mean, there is a lot of, like, horror elements as far as, like, oh, yeah. what is Can happening we... in the movie. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So, no, it, I, and we plus, need to, it does have to deal with music because he's trying to kill his old band members. Yeah. So it's music centric, but it didn't have a a big a good enough soundtrack. Like when mm. the music hits at those certain scenes, it's really good. But I felt like the movie should have been clouded with rock music. Right. They 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 leave that for kind of the club scenes and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. It's just so short lived yeah. and. Like, I even forget, like, the because, like, I mean, when we watch these heavy metal, heavy metal horror films, like, there's some type of, like, substantial, like, something big, like, you know, Black Rose is the opening scene, mm-hmm. you know, like, Me Against the World by Cinderella, and they're all monsters performing. 
you know, or something throughout the film. I mean, even something as such as like the gate, like you remember the music in that in that scene, and I even I even consider that kind of heavy metal horror in a way. But um, yeah, I mean, I do. I, I guess maybe I need to watch it again and pay more attention to the music. But when I was watching it, I wasn't thinking about well, that until yeah. you just mentioned something. Well, he's a straight but, up I mean, metalhead. Yeah, it, like the, the. I mean, here's what I liked about the plot. It even has that medieval shit. Going yeah, no. On in the background, it, yeah, it's like know? Saxon flashbacks. Yeah, that's no, yeah, yeah, yeah. And well, it, it does have a lot of metal qualities. To yeah. It too, well, here, and here's what I like about the plot. I like that for the most part, it starts out with our villain. And you're kind of sympathetic to him in a way because he escapes like a mental institution and hitches a ride to town. And he's like so charming as he's trying to get rise from people. But then he'll just brutally murder someone. Guys with long hair. He is cute. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed watching him. And then he has those he has those, you know, Viking type flashbacks, medieval flashback things and where he's kind of. Uh, pursued and, and controlled in a way by by these visions, and then he makes he he makes it home, and his mom's obviously crazy as well because his mom's like, "Where have you been?" It's like, "Oh, hasn't he been in the mental institution for the past few years?" Like, where does you think he go? But his room's almost exactly the way he left it. He's blasting some metal. He is walking around still with a blood splattered shirt for some reason, going to the club uh, and watching the band play and. And then, like, you're kind of introduced to the other main character, the good guy, the cop, who has is kind of tortured by is he he's like off duty, right? Or he's on suspension because he because of some traumatic things happen. So maybe it hasn't even been. Maybe yeah, it, it has only a been about a year when he's when she buys the tape. Yeah, the rare tape for like fourteen dollars, and then he tells his backstory. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's towards the end of the movie. It's like an hour and ten minutes in the well, movie yeah, that he actually of, tells a story. Right, and you kind of yeah. I, I like the pacing of this film because you really get to kind of hang out with the bad guy for, and, and you actually kind of, you kind of get to kind of like him or see like this guy's tortured in a sense and kind of you go along for the mom. ride. Yeah. <laughs> it's Steph- very similar to um, like this, like I, you know, I agree with you. It is heavy metal horror. Uh, the more and more I think about it, but um, you know, that this movie, especially like gritty New York, this feel, feels like, um, like a love child of Driller Killer. Oh. Yeah, like, like maybe yeah, it's he, teenage brother. Yeah, he feels <laughs> like an Abel Ferreira. Like, you know, that I forget his name in the in the film, but he feels like he I feel like he's taking on that role a little bit. So I mean in that again, like there's, you know, some great music scenes in that. And when he's playing, uh when he goes to his house and his mom's complaining about being late for dinner. And he closes the door and he puts on that record and he picks up his guitar. It's very like I got the driller killer scene like in my head when they're practicing and they keep playing that same bass line over and over and over. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, I I agree with you. But, yeah, there's some definitely feels like some heavy. And plus, it's like the gritty New York thing. It really has this driller killer vibe. Yeah. Stephanie, uh, your thoughts on Blue Vengeance. Was this your first time watching this? Uh, yes, it was. I didn't know anything about this going in. Um, yeah, it's definitely, in my opinion, a metal a horror film. Uh, I did think it was interesting because uh, the lead, uh, Mark Trax, 
he's kind of he looks like a speed metal kind of dude but in all of his fantasies when he's murdering people um it's he kind of goes into like he's viking metal like <laughs> he's a member of right. man war or something so i think they're trying to cover their bases uh <laughs> what's, but, what's the actor's name that pl- what's his name that plays the the main guy I, I don't know. <clears throat> he looks very familiar, though. I'm trying to find him. He must be someone who didn't really do a whole lot because I can't um, find like his picture here in uh, on IMDb. Is it uh, Paul Borges? Who, who? What's the lead character's name? Heaney? Henny? No. Uh, no, Mark Trucks. Mark. Mark yeah, Trucks. his. And the commentary is with an actor, John Weiner or Weiner, so it might be him. I like John. I like John Weiner. <laughs> it's usually they'll go by Weiner yeah, when John, yeah, John. Well, Weiner, Weiner. Yeah. Um. I don't. It's okay. So I'm trying to pull his. He's like he has 13 credits. So this. I mean, this. He was like the star of this film, and. It's like I'm shocked that I'm I'm not seeing him, that I didn't see him in anything big after that because he's I think he's fantastic in this. And I don't think it doesn't look like he had any really big star. He kind of looks like Ezra Miller a little bit. Interesting. Yeah, he's anyway. dreamy. And uh, yeah, and I got a little bit of like uh, you got Driller Killer. I got a little bit of like Don't Go Into the House vibes too. Mm. Ooh um, yeah. And even like a little bit. What's going uh, on with that movie? Why isn't that out on Blu-ray? It is. Uh, Code Red, right? Yeah. Really? Yeah. The one where he locks the people up and burns them to death? Yeah. Yeah. What's no, that? yeah, that totally got a, that <laughs> got a Code Red release for sure. Um. <laughs> what number is it? No, I don't know. I have that memorized. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at my... Dude, are you for real? For real. Can you look up on the thing and see what number it is? What? Oh my god. <laughs> All mine are in numerical order. Yeah, see that's oh, I don't why own I that. That's that actually one of the few code reds I don't own. That's why I, why I alphabetize them. Yeah, I don't see the spine number, sorry. Uh but anyway, Jeez. yeah. I, well, You're freaking me out. Just right spend now. twenty minutes searching for the spine number of Don't Go in the House. Look, if you own okay. Don't Go in the House on Code Red, uh email us the spine number. I we'll, will we'll get find it. I have them all written down. <laughs> but even though the, the plots are very different, um when you you spend time really establishing things with the killer, but then uh the plot switches back to Everyone trying to piece together and find him. It, it reminded me of Fade to Black a little bit. Oh, just yeah, with yeah. that specific thing. Um, no, I, I really like Blue Vengeance. It's, it's awesome. a really fun slasher. Yeah, definitely check this out if you haven't. It's one of those, uh, if, you, if you haven't seen it, you definitely, definitely need to check this out. Um, there's uh, two commentaries on it with the actor, John. I'm going to say Wiener. Because that's how it's spelled, uh, oh, and then a commentary with uh, uh, co-writer, co-director, and star J. Christian Ingvorsen. Please pronounce that correctly. Apologize. You threw it out not. like Eartha Kitt, so it has to be right. <laughs> I think so. I think I did a pretty good job. Um, so yeah, definitely check this thing out. It's worth. It's worth. I mean, it's it. 
I had a lot of, I absolutely loved it. So, so this is another one that comes with a movie uh, as a bonus feature. Uh, it's a film from 1996 from from Danny Kutchuk, starring Heather Graham, Ted Raimi, Lisa Zane, and Leslie Ann Warren. It's called The First Man, and uh, I missed this as well. And I'm trying to see why this would be on this disc. Um, because the oh, oh, he's a co-director. Okay, co-director, co-director. Yeah. Oh, so the two directors directed this. Very interesting. Um, I had never heard about this film, but you had me at Heather Graham. Did you? Did you? Yeah, get like this to watch? The... All right. I found the. I found it. Oh God. <laughs> oh, thank God. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, you clearly so, don't appreciate it, so spine spine send it to me. So it's a scorpion. No, no, I don't. I don't own it. <laughs> um, I found it on Ronin Flicks. So is it is it is because it, it's says it's Scorpion red. releasing, but it's a Code Red release. It says uh, Scorpion on the thing. All right, I don't know. What the fuck? How do I? Uh, yeah, but in this? one of the first scenes, uh, you get Ted Raimi uh, proposing to Heather Graham. <laughs> like a pre-fame Heather Graham. And um, it's like kind of a science fiction movie as much as uh, Liquid Sky was, I guess. But right from the start of the movie, it has kind of that like 90s Miramax film, like Reservoir Dogs was very influential on it a little bit. It's it's nothing like Blue Vengeance. So (laughs) it's an interesting addition. Awesome. I, I want to check this out. I mean, I'm, it, it looks like it's super low budget. I'm trying to find the estimate of the budget right here. It says yeah, like, it's not bad looking, but okay. yeah. 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 Low budget. Yes. Yeah, they put it into the sci-fi genre. All the plot says is the first alien man has arrived on Earth and no woman can refuse him. Is that the vibe you got from mm. me? Oh. <laughs> uh, no. I'm assuming that's not the vibe you got from it. Well, also... Yeah. It's what it, I, I, it's one of those ones where I would just be doing a disservice, <laughs> especially if you're a fan of the actors. Then it, I, I would check it out. Okay. It's a really fun extra film. As kind compared of to Last Man on Earth, I can't believe the I don't know. Don't Price go into the house. Movie? Sorry, no. As compared to the last, wait, the man who fell to Earth. Sorry. Oh, uh, the Bowie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the Bowie no, film. No, that's like a slow meditative. Okay, okay. Like so our- not compared to that. Okay, so are we in between? Are we in there? I, like you know, I guess I. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna start throwing out more movies. Um. All right, cool. Well, that's a fun little feature. I mean, <laughs> you know, this. I mean, this is what I. And this is what I get about these films being like a special feature. It sounds like it's just a fun little oddity to kind of visit. Uh, may they may or may not be really good. But uh, it's kind of fun. I mean, this, you know, starring Heather Graham and Ted, Ted Rain. Is she starring in it or is she just appearing in it? Um, she's in it. She's in it. Okay. All right. Okay. Very cool. That's uh, that's the Blue Vengeance disc. Highly recommended from us, I believe. You, you can say it. I, I would definitely say that blind buying, blind buying this, uh, you will not go wrong. You will have some fun. Yeah. Oh, and I'm not going to give away the ending, but the ending is a fucking corker. Oh yeah! Oh my god, the ending is awesome. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, definitely go and yeah. I've, I've been careful not to reveal any major spoilers, like you know, I mean, we we kind of spoiled uh, 
you know, a movie where a guy uses his dick to kill people. But I mean, you know. But Brad told us to so blame yeah, I him. I know. It's all it's all Brad's fault. Well, that will officially uh do us in for this episode of the Screamcast. I want to thank all of you guys okay. for listening. I agree. <laughs> awkward awkward pause. Uh, you can find us over at thescreamcast.com. You can find us on Twitter at scream underscore cast. And you can also find us over at screamingpods.com with a handful of other awesome shows. Please check all them out. And uh, and uh, hopefully maybe you'll find a new favorite podcast on there. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. You can also check out uh, our store there. We have uh, some mugs and stickers for sale. And uh, check those out if you want to kind of support the podcast. Also, if you want to support the podcast, you can become a member of Club Scum. You will get an official membership card, which, I mean, who doesn't want a Club Scum membership card? And you get a 20% discount on our merchandise in the store there. But also, you get... Uh, some extra little podcast stuff. I do uh, when I when I'm able to. I do a little thing called Sean Stack. You can check that out. Uh, and we also do kind of surprise giveaways. And I got a huge stack of DVDs and Blu-rays. I'm gonna start giving away. Um, I don't know if I'm gonna do a drawing or maybe I just might start sending them out randomly to people to our members of Club Scum. I haven't figured that out yet, but you know we like to kind of do fun stuff like that. But if you just want to support the show, uh, it's a good way for you to get involved and support uh, the Screamcast. Yeah. When hey. Sean sends me movies, I have to mail them back. So <laughs> you guys are making out like bandits. Man. That's messed up, Sean. I know, it's pretty <laughs> fucked up. I apologize. Um, let's see. Oh, yeah. Huge thank you to our sponsors. Check them out over at thescreamcast.com slash sponsors. Vinegar Syndrome, of course, is the label we are talking about today. Please, uh, they had a pretty great sale and uh uh you should if you missed out man you missed out on some cool shyit so check them out over at vinegarsyndrome.com also coffee shop of horrors if you want uh, some awesome coffee you can get a discount using our code uh screamcast to get 10% off your order also make sure you're checking out grindhouse video and uh whenever you're searching for some new flicks give them a shot uh over at grindhousevideo.com. Music by Wolfman of Mars. Our artwork by Kevin Spencer. I want to thank all you guys for listening. We'll be back next time. I got uh, something to plug. We Here's are going to... Plug. I, I, I'll, let you, I'll, let, I'll let you plug it. Uh, we are going to be talking about the It's Alive yeah, trilogy. Anya Stanley, uh, otherwise known as... Oh, what's her, is, it, is it Bookish Pinko? Her Twitter? Plinko, uh, yeah. Plinko. Bookish Plinko on Twitter. She'll be you joining us. <laughs> She'll be joining us for uh, some talk about uh, killer babies. So Yay. that should be a lot of fun to bring her on. Uh, Brad, what do you have to plug? I will be uh, probably tomorrow or the following day. I will have a VHS of Don't Go Into the House on eBay. Um, I would like to get at least fifty dollars for it. And I'm gonna buy the Blu-ray on Road of Flicks. Oh shit! Okay. What's my cut? Since I let you know this exists. Yeah. Well, depending on what it is, um, it might change five percent. Right okay. now, it's ten percent. But if okay. I only make like twenty bucks, it might drop down to like 
zero percent <laughs> and you'll just get story by credit or something okay all right all right all right that's enough um we don't think all you guys for listening we'll talk to you next time bye 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 oh don't tell me you're leaving the party's just begun